Hey, what's up, world? This is James Hargens coming to you from the great northwest Seattle, Washington, right here on the stage at the Crocodile with my boy Jody B. Jody hello, B., how hello, you doing, buddy? Hello, 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 I'm great. Man, we got a special guest tonight. Whoa, am I losing levels? Am I losing levels? I'm good. If we have technical problems, we'll deal with it later. Mr. Marco Collins in the house! Hey! Nice well, to be here. Marco, I'm so glad you're here, man. You, uh, I figured out something that you kind of were the voice of my youth. Was I? Even though we're the same age. Don't blame me. I was going to say you're blaming him. (laughs) Yeah, we are the same age. I don't know how that's possible. I'm going to have to slap you. You weren't young. You weren't young then. My youth was fucked up, man. My youth, you mean like your 30s. My 30s. (laughs) So Mr. Marco Collins was uh, 107.7 The End. He's now on KEXP. He just has a litany of uh, information or uh, stuff on on his resume. Um, you've had a quite an impressive career, bro. I'm I'm proud of your career, dude. Are you proud of it? Yeah, I am proud. I mean, there's there's moments that I'm a little embarrassed too. Yeah, well, <laughs> you we, know, well, yeah, we all have those. There's some uh, there's some times where I could have held jobs a little longer than mm-hmm. I actually mm-hmm. did. So um, I am proud of it, though. Looking how, how back, long, how long was the end? Eight years. Fuck, dude. Yeah, I haven't eight done years. Any, I haven't done anything for eight years. So <laughs> not only not only was I on the air eight years, but I did a year of it in LA. I just taped the show and like, you know, sent it back to the end. Uh so I was doing, you know, for like a year I was in LA doing a local music show. So you were right, doing you were right. doing moonlighting. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. See, I always thought you were there sitting up in that in that building cuz I remember when the van first most, came out. Most of the time I was. Yeah, I always I mean uh, that was the station. Well, the name spoke to me, the end and I was like, "Oh yes, it is the end." So I'll listen to it. Um what, let's do this. Let's start from the beginning. Where did it start? Where did the magic start for Marco Collins? Where did like I mean, singing in the car with your mom? How did you know? I'm gonna, I love uh, music. I'm going to be around music. You know, I think so I was always a music fan. My dad got me into music at a young age. My dad got me into James brown and mm-hmm. you know a lot of soul and r&b that he was really into but i was a radio guy from the time that i was a little kid my my cousins remind me that every time that we would get together instead of playing with hot wheels i wanted to do a radio show <laughs> and they were they were my audience uh calling in with requests right and i would sit there playing records and uh, doing radio shows. I don't remember that. So, so no doctors. Like, we're not going to play doctors. And no one was well, surprised. I think I probably played a little <laughs> doctor, <laughs> too. But once, uh, they, once they heard you on the radio, they were like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Of <laughs> it's course. weird, of course man. It's I just don't remember that stuff. Where did you grow up? Uh, Northern California. Okay. So kind of in between Tahoe and Sacramento. Mm-hmm. So for um, me, it was like, so I've been DJing for like 20 years as well. And, and the, the only di- the difference between you and I is I didn't get successful. I was to public radio in Santa Cruz. And, oh, you and, were doing that? Yeah, I it was fun. That. I did a show for a couple of years. And um, I'll tell you about my uh, going to the station DUI story maybe later on. <laughs> it's really impressive. <laughs> I want to hear that. Uh, yeah. The, the, needless to say, they didn't let me go put a tape on that night. I just went directly to jail. But um, so great. So God, I, I hear that story. Yeah. Here's here's the bottom line. This is the second episode of the podcast. Yeah. You kind of are setting the stage for future shows by being completely fucking honest. It's out there. Dude. And yeah. just laying it out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we can get bloody. It's no big deal. Yeah. I mean, the truth is good. But like for me, it was uh, at an early age. So I would take truth is good. Uh, right. <laughs> truth, truth is only worse for me these days. Uh, I would make a mixtape and then I would put album on. And then I would switch in between my deck and the, and the album for for my mom's parties when I was like, oh, I don't know. Oh, 12, so you were doing 12, that 30. too? You were oh, yeah. mobile DJ. I was a mobile wow. DJ, and okay. I and I knew everything the adults like your dad liked. You know, like right. I knew all their stuff. That's how I learned about music. From was, your what, dad, from or adults, from, okay. from, from my mom, right. my mom's boyfriends. 
you know, they were all into this, like, I would just flip through the albums and go, that looks cool. I'm going to play that, you know, and it'd be as, like, as the, a dad, I consider that a crucial part of my job. Like, yeah. Perhaps, educating your kids. Absolutely. Other, other, other than like my kids not dying. I think right. that's, no, the top, <laughs> that's a biggie. Number two on the list them. is making sure that they have good exposure to music. <laughs> okay, good. I was, awesome. I was hoping that was number one was keeping them alive. I mean, sure. but I was, I man, I was a radio kid though. I listened to the radio all the time. And I remember this is how old I am. Uh, we had eight tracks. Do you have eight tracks? Are yeah, we the same yeah, age? Yeah, yeah, all right. Same age. All right. I'm just a little younger than you, but I remember eight tracks. So eight oh, tracks clunk, were, clunk. yeah. Yeah. So embarrassing. Uh, but I, you know, I would record the radio so I could listen to all my favorite songs, mm -hmm. but I listened to top 40 radio. I love the hits, man. Yeah. I remember being so angry. I was a kiss fan when oh, I was young huge kiss and Army. when dynasty came out, the album, uh, the radio station that I loved were going to play the whole record. And I was mm. like, fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah, went right. out and bought my eight tracks <laughs> and then they talked in between every song. Well, yeah, you had to see it. You had to see right. Yeah. And, and I'm like, oh, this sucks. So I wrote the station a big letter about how angry I was. That's that's the kind of geek I was. So wait, 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 I was let me get this writing to radio I'm angry stations. that you're talking on your show. Yes, while yes. <laughs> I, I'm angry. I thought they were going to play the record, just the whole thing, and I could like tape it. Now I have their jabbering in between the songs. And so they ended up sending me the entire album oh, with a letter. Yeah. With a letter, and I still have that letter. Wow. That they wrote me. Uh, yeah, That's man. Well, what station so was that? So cool. Uh, it was called KFRC. Get the fuck. Dr. Yeah. Donald D. Yeah, Rose. Dr. Dr. Donald. Did he write you back? No, it wasn't Dr. Donald Rose. It was, um, God, whoever the program director was at the time, Lester something. They were all in the 70s. They were all they were all named Lester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So wait, what were the female DJs? I know Dr. Don oh. Rose. He was the big one. I can't remember I, the females. I, I, Dr. Don. So I remember him specifically because I listened to him all the time. And remember he had some weird thing where they cut his toe off? He went in for a I surgery, and I they accidentally cut his toe off. They got him mixed up with somebody else. No. Which I was like, I was like, I was like I accidentally cut off. He wasn't that bad That's of a amazing. DJ. No, they didn't just cut his toe off. <laughs> and it's, you know, fucked up his gait the way it was he walked. It was actually Marco that cut his toe off. A bunch of money. Wow. He was, he was yeah. like, you talked over the Kiss album, and now i got to cut your toe off. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I was mad. Yeah. No, so I remember that sitting there and hitting the pause button when they'd start to talk. So at the end of every song, you'd hear a and then he'd hit play and See, you were, again. you were on it enough. I didn't want to do that. Button, I just wanted to let button. it roll and not pay attention. Can, yeah, I don't even think you could do that on a track, though. Yeah. I don't think you could do it like a cassette, just like do the pause. Oh, thing. you can. Again? You can pause yeah. it. I just I never, didn't. I, didn't I, I definitely missed recording on a tracks. Right. All, my, all right. my radio life, my recording radio stations was just purely cassette. Okay. All right. But you know what's weird? Like I'm that, new school like that. Yeah. That a station <laughs> would even play a full album even to this day. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it was they weird, really especially didn't for a top 40 format, very, because they very just rare. played the hits, yeah. yeah. but there was such a buzz on that record that yeah. you know everybody couldn't wait to hear what it sounded like. So Kiss Kiss was one of the first ones for me, for, for yeah, sure. Me um, I think it started with, I was talking to uh, McCready about this too, about it was ACDC. That's what blew, that's what got me, like, blew my mind and went, I am evil. And, and I got into the whole, <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like highway to hell. I think I six You grade, identified with that. I totally identified oh, wow. with it. It's how I felt. It was dark. It was, it, the, adults didn't like it. Yeah. That immediately right. brings you sure. around to it. For that's an sure. important component. 
So did you like what was the first influence? Was were you more cheap poppy? Trick. Were you cheap trick? Cheap yeah. trick was oh, my thing. Live at Budokan. Live at Budokan. Yeah. Yeah. Live at Budokan. Surrender. Surrender. I want you to want oh, me. Oh my goodness. I was so into cheap trick. And you know, that's probably the band that I've seen most in my life. Mm-hmm. I I think I've probably seen them fifteen times. That's amazing. You know, maybe more. I, I was so into cheap trick. That was my first concert. Robin like, Zander. Robin Zander. Tony Carlos. What's the guitarist name? Rick. Rick Nielsen. Rick, Rick Nielsen, Nielsen. Mister. Yep. Yeah. And did he always wear that checkerboard suit? He still wears it. Still, he's still day. like it's the only clothing wacky. he owns. I mean, that <laughs> band. You know, seeing that band now, sometimes I get weird with nostalgia mm, because yeah. you know bands coming back together and they're fat and they're bloated mm-hmm. and they can barely hold the notes anymore right. and yeah. it's awful. You know, uh, that is not a band that's that those guys come out and kill it. They killed it. Every they, single freaking time. So I saw them with Adam. Uh, last time I saw him, I saw him at the uh, casino with Adam. And well, I don't think it wasn't Bonnie Carlos. He died, right? I think it was his son. No, Bunny's not dead. Is, it, is he dead? Is Bunny dead? Is it no, Bunny? Is it Bunny or Bunny? It's Bunny. It's Bunny. 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 Start pronouncing people dead. Uh, don't I don't think Sorry. he's dead. <laughs> he's still alive. Get he a call just from couldn't. Him. He couldn't. Um, couldn't perform? Yeah, I think after a while it was just. It was hard for him to tour the way they wanted to tour. I could imagine that would be the hardest role in a band when you get older. It would be the drummer. Oh, hell yeah. And that guy was out of shape. Oh, but to he start smoked with. while he played. So, like, <laughs> he was, God, he was, God bless him. Oh, my he God. Did. Like, he did. You know, Spectacular. Smoking <laughs> and just. Jody wants to sign and fill out an application. I love that. I love that. So, uh, anytime I. James and I were talking about this the other night. Anytime I see a band that's doing. More substances, alcohol, cigarettes, whatever, than than the entire crowd put together on stage. <laughs> yeah, I'm impressed. Yeah, yeah it is. like I went to see Guided by Voices years ago, ah, and I Robert. S- they must have, and it was like the the old you know the original lineup. Right, they must have drank, I I don't know, a dozen cases of beer and a and at least a bottle of liquor to yeah. each person visually to the crowd you right you saw it, it straight and yeah. you saw the crowd trying to keep up and then like tapping out and be like okay guys <laughs> yeah you win you win. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so one of my favorite drunken stories is um, what's his name? Not Ewan from uh, the Pogues, lead singer Pogues. Oh, um, Sean off. McGowan. McGowan. Yeah. So he, I come, Shane, I, Shane McGowan. Shane, yeah. Excuse me, Shane, Shane McGowan. I come into the show about, I come in one day and they're uh, the tour managers running around, he's going crazy. They can't get him out of the hotel room in New York, and he's like, he's shooting dope. He's got hookers. He's just like, and I'm like, well, you guys coming on stage like 15 hours, so you better figure it out. And so he shows up the next day. I open the door to the limo, and he's just whoa, white, this guy looks dead. Right. So they bring him upstairs in the old, you know, just another pinprick, and it'll be, and next thing he comes down, I help him up onto the stage. Uh, I'm there, I'm standing like kind of behind the curtains right here watching him, and he comes behind the curtain, and he's like looking around, I'm like, oh, so I need a trash can, I need a trash can, and he, he needs to throw up, and he oh, takes his hat off, just a little bit of, there, and then just kind of goes like <laughs> Wait, he throws up in his hat? He throws up in his hat, dude, and then taps and then it out, and then, the hat out. And then went and sat down. You don't down. need my stories. Your stories are just oh, as good, James. It was wow. great. Well, we do need your stories, yeah. too. But there, we all, that's I think crazy, the, the three of us have some pretty great stories. But I was like, that's fucking rock and roll. I mean, that, you know, right. it, unfortunately, my other thought was no one cares about this poor man, and they're gonna, he's probably going to die like this. Yeah. It's and terrible. But shockingly, he's still alive. He's still alive. Still alive and got new alive. teeth. He sat down during most of the set, but the more he drank apple juice and, I think, Jack Daniels. Mm-hmm. And the more he drank, and we, we can all relate to this, True. where you just reach that, whoop, okay, I'm back. 
Like, yeah, oh, okay. uh, I'm right. here. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I think we were talking about that the other right. day. That's yeah. what throwing up this is. For. Yeah, this so is you can this drink is more. this is exactly how much I need to function, and now now everything's fine. And yeah. also hitting the stage, I feel like a lot of people do that. The moment that they hit the stage, they snap. Like when I saw, first of all, when I saw Nirvana for the first time. Mm. Uh, at Which the was Paramount. where, by the way? Paramount? It was the Halloween show at the Paramount oh, wow. that they're putting out on vinyl now. I met Kurt for the first time backstage, and he looked like shit. He had scabs all over the mm-hmm. back of his mm-hmm. neck, and he just looked worked. And I remember thinking, how is this guy going to go out? This is one of the biggest bands in the world in four months, right? And right. he's got to go out and do this show, and I thought he's not going to be able to pull this off. And he goes out and just rips the place full-blown addiction yeah and it, i mean and you know what i've gotten into this conversation with charles cross charles cross uh has said that he was not addicted to drugs at that point and i'm like dude he's addicted to something some red, at that point you don't have some scabs on the back of your neck yeah fuck man he looked rough but see that's what that's the thing about this industry and you know speaking of this business of music People turn the other turn the other way, and I find that so sad. Yeah. It's like I'm not your friend; I'm your handler. Of course, people you know, turn the right. other way. The thing, yeah. the same thing happened with Chris Cornell. I think it was just uh, musically, you know, when Timbaland was producing him, I saw it, and, and my girlfriend and I at the time walked out. I was like, nobody loves Chris Cornell. This is really sad, right? Because no one has the balls to walk up to such a rock god and go. Hey, this really sucks. Yeah. What are you doing? This right. is like watching my grandfather break dance. It's just <laughs> not right, dude. And it, it, it was terrible. And I don't know if you saw that. Oh my god. <laughs> no, but I was in the studio with him. He did a <sighs> a session for me in LA. Uh-huh. Uh but it was mostly we were listening through to the album and then he played like three or four songs live with the band and he so was what did he phenomenal. do? What was he what did he do for you? The only songs that uh from the album Can't Change Me. He Beautiful. did that song. Yeah, that's a great song. Great song. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He did uh, Billie Jean, the Michael Jackson uh, <laughs> okay. cover that he does, and Black Hole Sun. Okay, so he didn't do any of the Timbaland shit, which was really That awkward. was way, probably way out. Yeah, I can't remember. What was the single on the Timbaland? I don't think there was one. I don't even remember if there was one. Huh. I think it was something off the like the James Bond soundtrack or something. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. Whatever that single was, I think he might have done that too. I don't remember. I remember thinking, I don't know how this is going to go over. I didn't hate that record. I did not hate that record at all. Uh, I, I just, it. you know, people don't I'll want, people wanted him to be a grunge hero. They don't want to hear beats no. behind Chris Cornell. Yeah, I always I always defend any artist that wants to do something differently. It doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to like it, but I I. I get it. Yeah. No one wants to just do the same thing over and over. Right. Well, I can't say no one. Of course yeah. there are bands that are right. absolutely right. happy to do the same thing over and over again. He was nervous about it, though, man. Sure. That, I remember sure. talking to him before he went out, and he's like, what do you think? What do you think? And I'm like, you know, this is a very, it's a big departure. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I like it. So the thought must be, am I Chris Cornell or am I Soundgarden? Right. I mean, that's right. such a scary thing to step outside of that and just go, who, yeah. how am I defined? Yeah. You know, last night when I was at the Fools, I, I watched everything, like, grabbed his water, took the cap off, and then there was a slight pause where it was like, I'm going to throw the cap out to the crowd. I hope they catch it. <laughs> and, and where I thought, that means you're somebody. If they're like, oh, my God, the cap to his water. Right. And they clamor for it. They absolutely wow. clamor for here's it. A, here's an interesting question. The I mean, we've, we've, wow. we've, yeah. all, we've all seen this kind of stuff throughout the industry with, with – like you said, you know, they're not friends, they're handlers. Mm-hmm. The question is, 
even if they were friends. I mean, can you stop that, you know, barreling locomotive? I mean, Ooh. is it even... Well, you know, I mean, a lot of people look at Geffen as being uh, responsible for Kurt's death mm-hmm. because right. instead of putting him in rehab, they had to follow the momentum of right. these hits. Oh, yeah. right. You know, he's got to go on tour, and so what do they do? Speed dial. They put somebody on the road with him who could mm. buy heroin in every city Jesus. to keep him so he wasn't sick. Yeah. And could play these shows. And to me, that's, uh, you know, that's uh, irresponsible. So do you... Just gravely uh, irresponsible. Sure. We won't talk about this too much. We delved on it earlier. But um, did you... Have you ever been dope sick? Did you dabble in that Not arena? dope sick. Not, not with heroin. Not heroin. Not with heroin. Jody, oh, yeah, Jody has. <laughs> yeah. It is, I, I almost get it. I'm dope sick man, right now. you cannot... You're worthless if you're dope sick. And if you're on, on tour, I mean, it's, but, it's terrible, but, but it's almost a maintenance level type drug. Right, to as, keep as, you... And that's what they were trying to do with him. Yeah, right. Is just keep him so he wasn't sick. Well, and as you were saying, like, here's the thing, though. And Patton Oswalt has a great bit about this, um, where he talks about stage health. How you can oh, feel like absolute dog shit. And the second you walk on stage, you're like, hey, everybody, let's Ooh, do this. Everything goes away. It's, yeah. it's a weird it's a weird thing just like having a bunch of people in front of you, like mm-hmm. rapt attention, waiting for your, you know, whatever you do. It's all of a sudden you're like, oh, I feel fantastic now. Yeah. And then you walk off stage and collapse. Well, I think it's safe to say we all, I get that. You get that? I, I immediately, I feel great. I get out. And I think it's the adoration. It's the, just the. Well, I'm an addict, and I love people to pay attention to right, me, so right. straight up. <laughs> oh, getting done with radio shows were, you know, it was exhausting. You do a four-hour radio show with calls coming in and right, people yeah. on the air and, yeah. you know, assistants running around, and you are, I'm bouncing off the walls after a radio what was show. That? It's what? hard to calm you said down. You right. you were at the end for eight years. What, yeah. what, was the, what was the air like? What was the what? What, what were the years for that were that? Well, that we time? signed it on. I I was the second DJ mm-hmm. on the station. I flew up to start the station. Right. So I was there from ninety one to ninety eight. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So there was not, there was really nothing like it. That's I mean, fertile, there really was. I mean, there was KSW, there was KEXP, and there was the. Those well, there was not KXP. KXP was, was uh, KCMU. Right. Oh, KCMU. KCMU. Without me. half the signal, you know, they didn't right. have the reach. Local college. Um, without, yeah, it was super college. And it was all, super. All the, all the Paul Allen Foundation. It, and it was also super aggressive. Like, you know, before I did radio, I did promotion. And I promoted, you know, the uh, Eric record label. Mm -hmm. So it's all grindcore. Mm -hmm. So I got our grindcore artists on KCMU. So it's funny. I walk into the studio now that I'm there. I can go find those records that I sent them. Right. You know, those early records. Yeah, they're libraries. Their library is fantastic. Amazing. They still have all that stuff. I mean, you you really were blessed with having um, that Midas touch. I mean, you were inspirational in and so many bands blowing up. I mean, Harvey Danger. Now, tell me about your part. Let's just take Nirvana, for instance. What was your part in that? Did you just see them and then you went in and went, "You got, I got to play this. This is going no, on No, I mean, air. you know what it was? It uh, Because I was such a huge Top 40 radio fan growing up, I had that thing in me. I was always an alter, you know, I sort of grew into being this, I was really into punk rock first. Sure. You know, and then, you know, got into Devo and, and the B-52s and, and sort of the so like Agent new wave. Orange Flipper. All yeah, the, I loved all that, that shit, yeah. dude. So that was another thing. You know, we had this little shitty radio station in the middle of the forest. I live pretty much in the <laughs> woods. And this little tiny radio station did a punk rock show on the overnights. 
uh, once a week, and I would stay up all night without my parents knowing, you know, recording the shows right. so that we would have those eight tracks for the entire yeah. week. We'd go over to our friends' houses after school and just rock that shit. But I remember, you know, I remember hearing, yeah, everything turns gray for the first time. Mm-hmm. Police on my back from The Clash for the first time. Dead Kennedys, yeah. uh, you know, The Avengers, X. Uh, fuck, I could go on and on. Yeah. I remember hearing Susie and the Banshees for the first Whoa. time. And because I was so into this sort of, what do they want, what do they want, like three-chord punk rock, that's what I understood as a kid. Yeah. All of a sudden, Susie and the fucking Banshees are coming out with this happy house, spooky ass. That song changed my life. That shit's yeah. still it weird. Made, oh, it's, <laughs> it's fucking it's crazy. flipping out. It's crazy. My first punk show was Flipper. So, where at? Uh, Sacramento. Yeah. Sacramento. I don't remember what the venue was, but I do remember walking in. I, so you probably remember this too. When you were getting into punk as a kid, mm-hmm. I still had long hair. Yeah. I hadn't made that change. Yeah. So ways. it was like, so it was like, and you could get your ass beat oh, yeah. if you went to a show oh, yeah. and still had long hair. Yeah. You just were not punk enough. No, was, man. You were not yeah. punk enough. And I had a slightly older cousin who, who told me that whole thing. He's like, I, like one summer he had long hair, yeah, and the next summer I came to visit and his hair was gone. He right. was like, "Oh yeah, I didn't want to lose get, that shit. I didn't want to get it, killed." It was kind of like the Serengeti. Like you'd see a bunch of antelope, and once in a while, like a, a different, like a zebra <laughs> would come <laughs> right. in, right. and they'd go, uh, "We might kick your ass. We might let you just mingle around here a little yeah. bit." So it was like that. Uh, and I had this girlfriend who uh, took me to all these shows and introduced all this shit to me, mm-hmm. and um, she was the one that ended up cutting my hair. Bleaching my hair, piercing my ears. All the important my things. My parents freaked the <laughs> oh fuck out. God. 1982. And I'm like, yeah. you know, I'm cutting all the sleeves off my T-shirts. You know, going to thrift stores and buying these old man shirts and cutting the sleeves off. And then we were spray painting Anarchy A's on the back of our front. <laughs> yeah, clothes. Of course, I didn't know what Anarchy right, was. Right. Uh, <laughs> but I remember going to that flipper show and I had gotten used to the pit. I had, you know, learned how to do my full-on, like... Logo. Yeah, dude. Like, ma- yeah. like dude, learned how to mosh. You know, you go in the circle yeah. and, like... Pre, 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 pre the term like, moshing. Right. And I get there. Slam dancing. I get, yeah, slam, slam dancing. dancing. Slam Absolutely. Dancing. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I get there, and Flipper is one long 40-minute dirge. <laughs> like, it's not... What do they... What do they... It's not it's Black Flag. It's not Circle Jerks. Right. And I just fucking didn't get it. And I it's remember sitting there going, first of all, how do I mosh to this shit? Mm-hmm. Right. Second of all, I just stood there going, I don't, I don't understand this. How is this punk? Yeah. This, it fucking flipped me out. But the cool thing about it is, and I sort of have attractions to uh, dangerous shit. Anything that makes me think a little harder, mm. I eventually yeah. end up embracing. Right. Like if it's challenging to me. That's the hook. Th- that's, right. that's it, man. Yeah. Uh, so you, you were you were you were saying something about like that you know growing up on top forty and yeah. I, I feel like I've got I've got the same sort of thing. You've got that ear for a hit. That's what it was. That's You've got totally that ear for a was. hit. So you hear absolutely. You hear you hear what? I want choruses, go, dude. I want big right. ass riffs. Yeah. So, but early on, so like ninety ninety one, you start hearing the stuff that's going on locally and like what. So I moved here. Uh, they hired me, this radio company that I used to work for in San Diego, hired me to come up, start the end, be the music director and the nighttime guy. 
Uh, and I was already familiar with Nirvana. I right. was already familiar with Soundgarden. I was friends with the Soundgarden guys before that. I almost put out a record with solo Matt Cameron material on it. Mm. So I knew those guys from San Diego. Matt right. Cameron's from San Diego. Right. Eddie Vedder's from San right. Diego. So that's where I knew so those guys. you had a guys. connection already. Kind yeah, of, yeah, I did the local music show. Right. So I remember, uh, because I was friends with the Soundgarden guys, Kim Thile came on the local show and reviewed local demos on wow. my show. Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah, just dissing what he hated. I would love yeah. to hear that. Oh, man. I would love to hear Some that. Some of the bands still remember that and are really still bent out of shape about it. <laughs> Like he didn't well, like I mean, some of the he, bands. Was he harsh? And he like any, oh, like, he like, was he was honest, man. Was there like, anybody yeah. like we would that would that yeah would bring yeah? Down? Like, so the origins of Drive Like Jehu oh. <laughs> come from a band called Night Soil Man, <laughs> who was fronted by this Amazon woman that was just punk rock and right. edgy. Like she was amazing, super powerful. But he reviewed their stuff and he was like, "Yeah, cheap leftist sentiment." And so her next album, which was brilliant, was named Chief Left His Settlement. Yeah. Oh, that is uh, so, so good. So, it, you know, it had reverberations. But I was friends with those guys here. So, And I had also seen Mudhoney. Right. I'd never seen Nirvana. Right. Uh, and I was a Mudhoney fan. I thought, this we'll band get, We'll is, get back to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. This band is reinventing shit. So when they asked me, and I also belong to the Sub Pop Singles Club. Right. Like, I was into all that. Right. I was into Sub Pop. Right. Um, and so it was already a big deal before Nerv- before Nevermind oh, sure. came out. Yeah. All that shit was mm-hmm. massive. Yeah. You know, at least it was in San Diego. And a lot of those bands, you know, early on played in San Diego. And that's how I got to know the Soundgarden guys. But when I got off the plane, the only people I knew in this city were Soundgarden uh, and Kathy Fennessy, who was the music director of KCMU, right. because I had worked her on all our, right. uh, you know, I used to work for Relativity Records. So, uh, yeah, man, it, 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 when I first got here, I had no idea, I knew it was a great scene, you know, right. that didn't have an alternative radio station. Right. And I was really fucking idealistic. I thought, we can make this a commercial station that still has independent college radio. Underground vibe. Yeah, underground right. vibe. And we can do this. And, um, and you did well. I was going to say, you're, you, were, yeah. you were really correct. God. That was, we, that was well, on. I worked on it really hard. And I got to tell you, I quit three times the first year. Right. I quit a bunch yeah. of times because I'd walk out of my program director's office going, fuck, I can't do this. Yeah. You know, I wanted to program a college radio station. He was a professional radio guy. Sure. Uh, and then it turned out that we were the perfect yin and yang. He, right. So you wanted like, to play music. He wanted to sell ads. Yeah. He no, wanted. he wanted to play more commercial stuff. Right. He was right. used to the music labels service you with marketing plans, mm-hmm. you know, promotional budgets behind the records, records with a purpose. Well, and what, and what I just perfect was timing. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. All, yeah. all of a sudden right. what you thought of as like cool underground shit Became, became those mainstream massive, records. Right. right. But the, the greatest part about it was they gave me a lot of power mm-hmm. um, because I fought for that power. And then we started breaking bands. Right. And we would break bands that nobody else in the fucking country were playing. Sure. And we didn't have that corporate stranglehold that a lot of corporations have on radio now. They yeah. let us, they didn't know what the fuck, we're starting an alternative station. Mm-hmm. There were maybe four in the country, and yeah. I had worked at one of them. It was K Rock, 91X, uh, WBC, uh, well, BCN was a little more rock, uh, WFNX in Boston, 
and maybe I don't know one so, other station. So your programs director was against this to start with. Was there a dam breaker where you just no, like played so something and they went? He oh wasn't my God. against it. He just didn't understand. He'd worked in radio his whole life. He was used to. You, you, this is not radio, right? You do it by the book. Yeah. like we're gonna right. rotate these our records right. and these, blah, are the, blah, blah, blah. these are the songs that you play. And I think I think the thing that ended up working was, I mean, and we fought, and I thought, I can't work with this guy. Mm-hmm. The thing that actually made us connect is we were both gay. Right. So we connected on that level mm-hmm. right. and then started understanding each other. And I, under, you know, I had to honor the process that he would t- insist that we go through. Right. And he started honoring the process of me bringing in bands that didn't have anything going for him. So it was like, okay, fine. And you were like, okay, fine. And you walk out the room and it'd be like. <laughs> dude, what? it was like, I, I stormed out. I was a fucking diva. Yeah. I was a diva, So did dude. you ever utter these words, I cannot work under these conditions? Probably. <laughs> like, like, I'm daily. probably. I'm, I'm thinking about it once. right now. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking about it right now. <laughs> he thinks about it daily when he I, works. Every time I well. talk to James. Yeah. Um, well, that's really, that's that's interesting to me in terms of like, you know, Music business is that something that tends to get lost, uh, especially when you're dealing with art and artists, is this idea of working together. Like, I'll work in your system and you can work in my system and we can bring these things mm-hmm. together. There's often, there's that, that diva thing becomes the rule rather right. than right. every third Wednesday, you're like, fuck this, I'm out of here. Right. Like, every day, you're just like, oh, I can't possibly. Right. You know, like, just storming yeah. out of buildings and stuff, and it's like, <laughs> that's not, it's not, it's, it's not doable. Like, you can't, there's no yeah. way, that's not a road to anything. Well, that's all I knew. When you had to surrender, well, you had to know, surrender to, but you had to surrender to that process with him as a, you know, quote-unquote, like, real kind of radio I, I did have to surrender, but they had also put me here because they knew what I had done. I, I'm sure they, you never mentioned that. I'm sure you never mentioned Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it just so that did come up a bunch. Right. You know, yeah. you guys you know you guys, who I hi, am. You hired me. I tell James this you time. hired me to do this job. You got to let me do this job. Exactly. Right. And as soon as, and I remember the fight that we got in, it was over a band called the Poster Children. Do you know who they are? I, I remember them vaguely. Fucking amazing. Right. It was kind of, they were sort of like super chunk meets mm-hmm. pavement. You know, they were they were badass. 90s Seattle band? No. No, no. They were uh, from, I forget where they're from. Uh, Cleveland. Cleveland. Uh, somewhere. Cleveland I don't know. America. Indie rock. They were in America. They're from America. Um, you know, so, I mean, we got in fights over this stuff. But over the next year, the first two records that they handed me, uh, record labels handed me because I was music director. Sure. Was uh, Nevermind, uh, 10, oh. <laughs> and uh, the single soundtrack. I can't, bl- I can't believe you three. managed to break any of that. It's- <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing. You I, must have had to work know, really hard. Backing up a truckload full of gold. This is, this is, this is where I'll be really honest. <laughs> That's really funny, by the way. I'm imagining that fucking truck backing up right now. I uh, mean, holy shit. So, we're talking. Yeah, people give me credit for this shit, but it was the perfect storm. Right. Sure. I was and in the right was place right. at the right time. You're yeah. like, I um, didn't write even flow. Because yeah, I was no, thinking, man. how much did Marco already... really need to work? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, yeah. fuck, these records were handed to me. Those yeah. records were the first things I was given. 
And when I heard Smells Like Teen Spirit, you know, I didn't think it would blow up as big as it did, but I thought, fuck yeah, yeah. Seattle, this so is let me fierce. Ask you this. What does that look like? Is Marco go home, he puts it on. What was it? Was it a CD? It was a, yeah, it was like a little was a CD, CD Pro. CD. You put on your headphones yeah. or you just put it no, on? Where I were put you? put it what on did, in the office. You put it on the office. I have my own office. Yeah, That's sure. what I listen to is and were music the, all day. The, did the eyeballs pop out fuck of the head? Fuck yeah, they yeah. popped out. Dude, that, that thing is still fierce. Oh my God. I played it the other day on KEXP and I put on headphones because the reason I wanted to put it on and I talked it through is does it i used to get chills by hearing that song i used to yeah. jump around the fucking studio like a maniac oh yeah you know fuck it was just that song changed the emotion in any fucking room Dude, cypress yeah. hill played it the other night i mean oh yeah really dj 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 lord their their current touring dj from public enemy um, oh. Did it, the, and the and the percussionist did a whole holy thing shit. With that's it. awesome, man. So you Which know is, how yeah. like almost every band that visits Seattle will do a little bit. Of, yeah, yeah, some yeah, kind yeah, of, of right, yeah. Some kind of yeah. shout out to. Yeah. Yeah. They actually did it. Was they, it fucking oh, yeah. cool? It was, was it sampled? It was sampled and yeah, they had yeah they had it on record. And he was cutting up Dude, the record and then and then Eric Bobo, the percussionist, was doing a whole thing on his percussion kit and it was yeah it was great. It was Mugs pretty, Mugs doesn't tour with him. Mugs does not tour with them anymore. They had Mixed Master Mike for a while, who also does a fantastic rendition of Smells Like Teen Spirit wow. on Turntables. Huh. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. I mean, you, yeah, Perfect Storm explains it. And I, you know, so I was behind, you know, I was behind the scenes. I was, I've been in the music industry since probably about the same time I came, came up here. And, right. You know, Where are we? Oh, so from Northern California. From Northern California. Okay. Yeah. I that's came a up trip. here because I was. You like evil twins. I was, Why did you come up here? Uh, um, parole. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was released from uh, Hotel California and, and at an early age. I got all that shit out of my system. And I was fucking up down in California. My uncle, I don't know if you remember Pioneer Square Theater. No. Uh, Angry Housewives. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So that was my uncle's artistic director. And, um, you know, it was either there or San Quentin. And they were just kind of like, send him wow. up to his uncle and okay. put him in the theater. Okay. Um, How old were you? Oh, God. I was like 20. Okay. Yeah. So I went to um, I went to Preston in, in Sacramento. In, in Not Lodi, but uh, it might have been Lodi. Okay. Oh, no, Stockton. So what year did you get up here? I got up here in about 89, 90. Okay. Yeah. Got it. And um, jumped into the theater and came into a room like this with maybe a dozen actors going, you know, and doing all And I was like, what the fuck? I have arrived. This is great. I loved it. I was surrounded by creativity. Um, Angry Housewives was the longest running show in the history of Seattle. Like, wow. I think 10 years it ran or something like that. For those for those of us who are not here during the era, born. I'm, I'm not, 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 <laughs> I'm not even a native West Coaster. I'm, I'm originally from New York. Ah. And I was oddly, I was in high school in Alaska mm-hmm. during those years. Um, so for those of us who weren't here and don't remember that version of Seattle, mm-hmm. can you guys like kind of set the stage a little bit? Like, what was Seattle like then? Well, that's, I mean. Portland. It, it was like, it was. <laughs> it's like Portland it was like right Portland. now. Yeah. <laughs> It, it was, was it was it was different, man. I mean, it you could go through Belltown. We're we're right. recording this at yeah. the Croc, but you could go through Belltown, and there were underground parties everywhere, mm-hmm. telephone poles mm-hmm. covered with posters, gig flyers, um, speakeasies. It yeah, just right. felt artistic. Yeah. It felt dirty. It didn't feel cleaned up. It doesn't feel. Right. It just felt different, man. It I felt mean, this like, place alone was a sh- kind of a shithole. Yeah. But it was a great shithole. Yeah, I mean, it, was. it was. Can you, you know? can, can you confirm for me? The stage used to be over there, right? Right. Right. And faced Wait, up, faced yeah, up yeah, yeah, yeah. It faced stage this way. Yep. And the pole was right there. <laughs> yeah. The famous pole. I'm not going to argue. Okay. Oh, the pole's no, no, right he there. Tried, he, you did try to argue with me. There's you did the try to argue. They literally moved the they pole They just moved over the, the pole corner. over there. Yeah. They're like, we got to yeah, keep the pole. They kept the pole. <laughs> we got to keep the pole. <laughs> so I agree with Marco. It was, it was sleepy. 
Um, but it was also somewhere where you felt. So my experience was, um, and this, go back to Chris Cornell. I was walking down the street in, in Pioneer Square where the theater was, and I heard this just bellowing. I walked up to the Central Tavern. I looked in, and there was this dude just, Wah! and I was like, oh, my God. I was a young man. I'd been locked up most of my adolescent life. You know, I, I loved music. Shit, I, I didn't know all this about you. Yeah. And wow. I, yeah, so. Um, He's it, way less boring than wow, he is. Oh yeah. yeah know, it was weird. Soundgarden. That's fucking And awesome. I found out, I got in somehow. I talked to the door guy. He let me in, and I just sat there mesmerized, and I said, this is where I need to be. Right. I don't care if I'm sweeping the floor. I don't care whatever. So I started so working the door at Central. So this 90, is like 90? 90, yeah. This is like the first, like, so basically like the they weren't like really, early. They weren't really famous when they were still, they would still play. Loud, yeah. you know, loud as love. They were on a major, yeah, they were on a major, though. They were on a yeah. and they, they Weren't they one of the first? They, were they the first? Yeah, they were on a and They started Sub Pop, then, uh, no, 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 no. SST, SST, right, they were on SST. A&M, yeah. I don't know where, I think Sub Pop, SST, A&M. I think I, that's right. It was Sub Pop first. Yeah, 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 yeah I yeah, believe yeah, yeah. so. So they yeah. were on Sub Pop, I think. They were, I yeah. yeah, they were Fop. They were kind of fast-tracked. They, they, they came through a lot faster than everybody else. But it, it blew my mind. How could you it, not? Sure. How could you not see Chris Cornell on stage and go, oh, yes, I will absolutely yeah. invest money in this? That's so funny. Right. I mean, it, it, exactly, dude. It was a no-brainer. He was, it was clearly like, a rock star. insane. Yeah. And it, and and I think for me and and Marco, you could speak to this as well. Is like that's kind of like the people you couldn't swing a dead cat in this town. I mean, you'd see. You know, I'm sitting there with Jerry Cantrell at the off ramp, right? And, yeah. and I said, "Hey, sign this real quick." And this is a little flyer. He's like, "What the fuck?" And I'm like, "Dude, you know, you guys are gonna be fucking so famous, it's insane." <laughs> and he's like, "I can't believe you're making me fucking do this, Jerry Cantrell." <laughs> <laughs> that's so and, awesome. And then we went and did some coke in the bathroom. Yeah. But um, it was like that. It was just so. <laughs> There was a point where it was just oh. crackling, and then yeah. all of a sudden, I think everybody realized, wow, this is going to be something. And then I got kind of sad. Why? I don't know. It just was I weird. Was, I fucking loved it. I, I, you know, it felt, it was so surreal when it was all happening. And somebody pointed out the other day, we were talking about Nirvana, Charles Cross and I, Kurt Cobain from, you know, from start of fame to his death, that was only three years, oh, man. Yeah. God, it was three huh? years, yeah. and that's huh. it. Yeah, Hendrix. We talked about right. Hendrix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hendrix, same, same. same exact thing. The yeah. arc lasted three years. Yeah, it was what it was like sixty-eight Seattle to seventy-one. Yeah, well, we still have nuts. we still have Leon. Yeah, we do. <laughs> do you know Leon? Yeah, I I yeah. <laughs> did you? I got to know Leon get, back in the day. I used to <laughs> interview him. I put him on wait, any wait, chance wait, wait, I could get. Again, tell me I, stories. Again, tell me t- stories. I don't know. I don't know who Leon is. Okay. So t- Leon yeah. is Leon Hendricks. Uh-huh. Who oh, one day, one night, we were smoking. Yeah. Brother of brother of yeah. Jimmy. Okay. Yeah, we were hitting the pipe, and this girl is like, oh, "That's Leon. That's Jimmy Hendricks' brother." I'm like, "No, it's not." And it, and he came over and he like showed me his ID, and I'm like, "Oh, you do kind of look like him." And so he was a huge crackhead, and he had right. all these little scams and stuff. But uh, I say right, like of course he was. That's fucked up. I'm yeah. sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> It definitely it's a terrible thing. I should say. say this because I kind of want to get him on the but, show. But, <laughs> but siblings of super famous people are often crackheads. That's yeah. just the, the way it goes. So did you know him in that I, in that whole? Arena? No, I I had his dad, uh, Jimmy's dad, on the air a couple times, yeah. uh, and I think I knew Leon. I don't think I ever had Leon on the air. His dad's so nice. I was yeah. going to say I've heard super his, nice. I've, I've heard Alex yeah. is super super cool. He um, was. But yeah, man, it was just I I just remember thinking this is surreal. It, it was like, well, I mean, and I didn't know that many people when I landed here, right. you know. And then I got to know Susie Tennant, mm-hmm. who worked with Geffen, who introduced me to Nirvana right. and Courtney, and right. then you know, Patty, uh, Patty Schemmel and I started becoming friends, right. and then Patty and 
my stories are insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Well, it was a whirlwind for sure. I mean, if you were getting high and you had any kind of what we have back, I mean, it was like, I, I think I was reading something, reading a bio, when you were just like, I felt like I needed to submerge myself in it or something like Fuck that. Yeah, dude. I don't think there was I any mean, choice, really. No. It was yeah. like, whoa, you're, yeah. you're getting in this. Yeah. You do you like feel like, James, do you feel like you had that that thing that we've we've all experienced to some degree, like when you feel like something's really yours and then it's kind of taken from you? I think that was is the that sadness. Was, is that, I think that was. I watched like, that happen to so many people with so many bands and so many scenes where they're like, "This used to be my thing, yeah, and now everybody gets to do yeah. it." Uh, nah, yeah, nah, yeah, nah, yeah, nah, yeah, nah. yeah, right. See, but you were you were in the public eye, so it was a little different. Like you had a, you know, I think we both had. People a, were pissed when I would play their band. Like I got like the Bikini Kills scene. Oh wow, Kathleen Hanna. Right. Oh, I've got Olivia stories about that too. Stars. So good. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Those people. I mean, it depended. Who hasn't you know? had a fight like, with Kathleen Hanna though? Th- right. Everyone. Well, does. I didn't have a fight with her. <laughs> no, I just could never get her to come on the radio right. show. Right. And all I wanted, I was playing fucking Bikini Kill. Right. You know, and uh, is, I was playing fucking which is, Elliot. I which was is playing, bold. Yeah. You know, a bunch of those those groups at the time, and I couldn't get Kathleen on the show. Uh, I remember talking. Oh, yeah. yeah. So here's the story. Do you want the story? Absolutely. So we were playing. We were playing. uh, God, what is the song? Uh, uh, Reject All American. Mm -hmm. And I was playing. It was in the countdown. I had a countdown. You guys remember the countdown? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was like the. I love that. I actually love the countdown. People, everybody loved the countdown. Right at the tail end of your tenure. That was was like one of the first things I ever heard on the radio. Fucking, my show was from 7 to 11 p.m. Like, nobody listens to the fucking radio right. unless there's not the internet, which exactly. there wasn't the right. internet. Yeah. So we'll my, my highest rated hour was the 10 o'clock hour, my last hour, right. because it was that fucking countdown. Mm-hmm. It was when I, all when the I came hits. Here, my friends would tell me, they'd be like, oh, it's like if you're going to listen to an hour of radio, you have to listen to the countdown. It's all the, the good end. shit, all yeah. the new right. shit, yeah. all the shit we're trying was to like. Commercial you, nah, no, nah, I'd commercial had commercials. Didn't yeah. you also, like, during that hour, also include, like, a new record yeah, that you yeah, were... Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was the thing my boss never wanted me to do, but right. that was my place sure. where I could sneak new shit in. Yeah. So if we had Good a man. number one song on the countdown, I'd add one extra song for right. the album. Yeah. And it's I real just, time, so you can't get stopped. Yeah, well, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, <laughs> really? There was, yeah, fuck. Here's an example, and then we'll come back to the Kathleen yeah, Hanna please. thing. When the Deftones were here, mm-hmm. I was friends with those guys from Sacramento. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the Deftones were recording their second record here mm-hmm. and got done mixing a song, came to the studio to play it on the air. Wow. And I was like, let's play it at number one. And my fucking boss got pissed at me for playing the brand new Deftones song Ugh. out of the studio. Right, it had right, like, right. It's, they it's, just pressed a CD. You're the in first the person studi- outside of the, the studio, world. right? Yeah, like that's the, like the scoop. That's right. like when a reporter right. gets and, a scoop and, and your boss goes, "No." Your boss is yeah, like, mm. my boss was pissed about that. But you he's know like, what? why is the D lowercase? I don't understand. This. I mean, I, <laughs> after a while, once you know, if my ratings sucked, that would be one thing. But he started trusting me, mm-hmm. and there were times I'd get my ass chewed out for sure. doing whatever I did. It's, it's easy. Easier to ask forgiveness than afterwards. You know, the other thing that was great fun that I made sure happened on that countdown is I played nothing edited. Oh, wow. All the fuck words were in that That's countdown. Because I knew who I had listening to. That would have been a great title I for had that hour. Is kids in their bedrooms all the on words. headphones. 
and so I'm going to play every fuck. <laughs> so there was no it. beep. No, after no after edits. after ten, technically you could do that, right? right? And yeah. well, I didn't know that. Right. I didn't care. Right. I just wanted right. I wanted the shit on the air the, the way you know. And every time a fuck word would air, I'd be like, yeah. Like, I think the more times we can I work knew. in fuck words into this segment, this <laughs> yeah. will is that is that true? After ten p.m., you yes, I believe I believe technically after ten, they they can't really do anything. The fucking FCC goes to sleep after ten. Pretty much. Like fucking. Well, they assume the world has gone to sleep. Right. So, yeah. Children. Um, that's the hour, right? Exactly. But I don't know that that was even intact back then. Right. I I just know that I did it. Oh, anyway. certainly it wasn't common. No, I mean, certain. No matter what station we were listening to. Right. It certainly was not commonly done. Yeah, man. It was fun. I just wanted to create some anarchy. I wanted to create a vibe that was just fun, and you knew you had to. Listen. Did the FCC ever bust your balls? No, but uh, I came very close in San Diego, of all places, hmm. at 91X. So, so what does that look like, guys, in black ties? Come in. Like, no, what does well, that look like? I got suspended, so I played the they Ghetto Boys. <laughs> I played the Ghetto Boys oh, on an alternative yeah. station. <laughs> I played... I played Gangster no, of Love. Oh my no. God! That was my hope in my heart. Oh Maybe my. still to this day one of the dirtiest songs. Oh, I, I still I listen oh. to that song as an adult, forty-four oh. year old man, and, and I, I go I blush. Oh, yeah. is that the man. album cover where you got? Was he Bushwick Bill? No, 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 no. What was the album cover? No, that's now we are getting into my zone of of knowledge here. So that's Grip It on that other level, which was then re-released by American Records as just. The eponymous, the Ghetto Boys. Yeah. yeah. But uh, what was it? So, yeah, it's like the third track, and it just. Yeah. And it has that Steve Miller sample. Steve Miller sample. God, so dude, what huge I was balls, doing. By the way, huge balls. This That's, is. So I did it. <laughs> literally, fucking, his balls are huge. Here's Whoa. the thing. I, Probably, did it, yeah. I did it after midnight, and I was just a part time kid at uh-huh, this station. Uh-huh. And what I wanted to do, I did the specialty show. I did the late night, right. you know, wacky local music. Well, that music. was special. That's that. It features a rim job. So it features <laughs> a very explicit rim job. Let's be really clear. I listened, I listened to that the other day, and I was like, oh, shit. Oh, I might really? edit some but of that into this. Late night. That's a great song. So I, uh, th- I was doing, it was at a time that the NEA, or not the NEA, uh, <laughs> National yeah, Endowment National Endowment of the Arts, right. the NEA, was denying funding to certain right. artists that were too radical. Right. Karen Finley, the performance artist, because right. she would stick yams up her butt this live. Was, this was the Tipper Gore era. Right. And it was Tipper Gore, PMRC, yeah. all that shit was going uh-huh. down. So I decided I was going to do an anti-censorship show. So I had Karen Finley on, <gasps> who was just like this radical artist that I was really into. She played San Diego all the time. She did residencies at San Diego. And everything that comes out of her mouth is just just intense, trashy. Right. Like, right. <laughs> I this listened to one of her songs the other day, and I was like, oh, my God. So I had her on, and we did this big anti-censorship thing. And I think I had Diamanda Gloss on the same show, oh, nice. um, yeah, who's like this amazing that's a, uh, vocalist. That's a good back-to-back, like easy listening. Yeah, and yeah. I thought, you know what? So the only way, if I'm doing a show about anti-censorship, then I can't censor the songs that are in right. question. Yeah. So I played them thinking it's after midnight. It was after midnight. I'm Somehow thinking, I'm, I'm relating play. to this rationale. <laughs> I'm like, no, you know, it play makes either. perfect sense to me. Yeah, yeah so Absolutely. I played the song. And it turns out a sheriff and his son were in the in a truck this is driving crazy. home. This is the story of everything, right? Yeah. Everything I'm taking it they were guy. not Afro American. One guy, yeah, no, no, definitely. 
Yeah, that was the whitest station ever. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, first of all, formatically, it wasn't even appropriate for the station. Right. But I didn't give a fuck about that. I just thought this is an, an important thing to talk about. Sure. This is, and I'm going to use the power that I have to play all this shit on the radio, which was pretty, I mean, I look back on that and I got suspended. I thought I was fired. They called me in and they said, we've got to let you go up until so that he's satisfied because he's going to the FCC. So what does what does that chain of events look like? He just came in, or he didn't even he call called. the FCC. He called. No, he, he didn't call the FCC. Exactly. for T Justice. Exactly. Yeah. He he wanted to know. They had to get back to him and say, uh, "Listen, we've we've you know reviewed the case. <laughs> we've talked to the DJ and we've suspended him." He's a terrible person. And we're gonna right. make sure, and it, you know, well, yeah. This is why the FCC exists. Right. Uh, but it was like a. What was it like a? I think it was a pastor or something like that in Pennsylvania, um, who wrote a letter. Yeah. Wrote, wrote a letter to right. the federal government. I right. heard a word on the radio. I didn't so, like. Right. right. George Carlin used to do that whole bit about it. Is this a 19-year-old Marco Collins? Who? How old was? Yeah. So it was probably a 24-year-old Marco Collins, okay. still right. old enough to know still better. <laughs> Um, that is great. Yeah, man. So I got uh, suspended, and at that point, so you mentioned American. Uh, were they Deaf American? They started. It was, it was right. It was. It right. was. Rick left Def Jam. Started yeah. Deaf American. Then they dropped the Deaf. So they reached out because they it's wanted to publicize me getting suspended for playing sure, the Ghetto Boys. Right. And I thought, oh, I've made it. You know, they're gonna put out a press yeah. release. I'll exactly, be able to yeah. do. And then I thought about it, and I was like. You'll never work in radio again. <laughs> if you become the guy that played the fucking Ghetto Boys, where are you going to get a job? Right. No, Nobody's going to hire your ass. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so I didn't do the publicity thing. I went and worked for a record label is what I did. I went and I thought, I'm done with radio. There's too many restrictions. Right. I want to go mm. work for a label where I can sign bands and I can be involved. Sure. And I went and did promotion, which is far far from signing bands right. uh, for a year uh, with Relativity mm-hmm. so that's mm-hmm. when and then the station called me back and said within eight months they called me and said we're starting a news station mm-hmm. in Seattle the guy that they had suspended they want to send to Seattle yeah. right. to be like their sort of well so the guy I told you about that did my design work Daryl yeah so he does he rips off Star Wars stuff on he does his own designs yeah and he he's would love to get a cease and desist. Yeah. He's like, to <laughs> right. an artist, he's oh, just like, right. if Lucas wrote me, oh my God, I'd oh, sell right. so many shirts. Fuck right. yeah, dude. Right, would, crazy. Right. Would, any of us, would, any of us, would any of us know the name Robert Mapplethorpe? Yeah, of course. Right, right. You know, like, if not for this huge controversy. Right, right. Like, what a, what a, what a windfall that yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. Like, I thought it was Mapplethorpe, but... Whatever. Mapplethorpe, Mapplethorpe. Yeah. yeah Mapple. Tomato, tomato. Uh, yeah, man, I, I, I think I probably have upwards of... Uh, 10 cease and desists from the 90s. Nice. Mm. 10 major, major cease and desists from the 80s That's or good. 90s. Yeah, man, it was it was fun. We, you know, what we were trying to do with that station was sort of create, at least I had an ideal. We can be commercial and still embrace independence sure. and also embrace the local scene. Right. To me, that was the biggest thing. Right. You know, we I don't give a fuck if the fastbacks have a major label deal. Right. We've got to play the fastbacks. Uh-huh. We and I started, you know, being I, I was thrown into the scene and meeting people in clubs and so many of these bands and fell in love with Flop and fell in love mm. with all of these bands. And I was like, 
you got to find a place for them. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was always a, like a strategy. Where do you, how can you get this band on the radio? And despite championing, championing all this like great local music, Kathleen Hanna wouldn't come on. Right. Show. So, so I started playing, <laughs> man, I had to work my ass off. Let me just tell you the independent music scene at that time, it, despite the fact that we busted our ass to be, you know, a, a cool version of alternative of commercial radio, right. fucking like Olympia wouldn't give me the time of day. Right. <laughs> like the entire right. city. Right. Um, and finally, I reached out to uh, Calvin Johnson, mm-hmm. and Calvin came on my show. Right. And it was like probably the first two weeks I was at the station. And I thought, I invite every indie record label from the Northwest to come on and play some songs for a half hour. Sure. During prime time, let's right. let's make great. that community feel right. like they own the station, which would be absurd today. You'd well, let me tell you about Calvin. Building, right? So fucking like I convinced my boss. Everything is me having to present my case before I do this shit. Mm-hmm. Right. Either do that right. or. So are you looking at that as a go around? Like if you can't yeah, say I've no to all these away. people, yeah. like uh, right. Come on. So I thought yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm gonna bring them on. I'm gonna let them do what they want. So fucking Calvin, you know Jonathan and uh, Bruce from Sub Pop come on and they're playing all their hits, right? right. And, you know, I brought it's in Steve amazing. Fisk. I brought in all these folks and Calvin comes in with cassettes with only the left channel <laughs> on the cassettes. <laughs> so I'm playing shit with only one speaker. Right. Like, and, and my boss is like, I, I know I'm in trouble for the Calvin right. thing. Right, Because right. it's a half hour of half nothing hour of only the but cassettes. Oh, like, I'm having to pop the cassette out and, you know, I mean, at that point, I'm like, this is a part of the deal, man. And I kind of felt like Calvin, uh, I felt like Calvin did that purposely. purposely like, perhaps. he wanted to come on. Let's, right. let's see how let's see how alternative you he are. Right. That inside. motherfucker comes yeah. on and plays these cassettes. And it was like, people still remember that shit. Yeah. Like, and I actually told the audience at one point, if you're only hearing this in one speaker, it's because it was recorded on a boom box by Calvin right. in a practice room and for some reason only the left right. channel works. <laughs> so just deal. Like and people liked that rawness. There was a sure. there was an attitude to the whole thing. But yeah, so Kathleen, uh, just I could never I could never so what I would do is I finally got Kathleen's phone number from Slim Moon from Kill Rock Stars or or Calvin. And I'm like, can you talk to her? Can you tell her I'm not a dick? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, all I want her to do is come on and do an interview. I can even Wait, be are a you phone thinking, interview. At this point, are you thinking she doesn't like me? Oh, she hated me. She hated you. She right. fuck yeah, we were the man. Okay. You're the we man. weren't right. fucking. You we were corporate. Were you were, again, we were which corporate is, which is America. insane to think about now. Right, right. Like, Looking back, it's a whole different deal, right? Sure, really. But to, but considering what she was creating right. and, and the art she was working on. Yeah. So she uh I remember at that point, I'm like, fuck, I, you know, I'm going to call her live on the air. And, <laughs> and I call her no and you're supposed there. to, the FCC laws are, you have to let that person know before right. they go on the Can't air. Sure. But I'm like, she's will. not going to fucking do it if I tell her. So I, I call her up. <laughs> she'd answer the phone and I'd say, hey, this is Marco. We're live on 1077 The End. And she'd go click, just right. hang up. But I got that hang-up sound. I right. got the click. Right. So from then on, I just made it a bit. I, I like, dial up, <laughs> you know, every time I play the Bikini <laughs> Kill song. Every time I played a song, right. I dial it up, go, Kathleen? Kathleen, is that you? Click. 
<laughs> straight into a Bikini Kill song, and it was awesome. Right. She would never talk to me. And I try not to have an attitude about that because sure. you don't win. No. You're never going to win. These kinda, people have been here in this fucking city forever. Of David yeah. Letterman and Richard Gere. Was it Richard Gere? <laughs> like, you could never get him to come on the show. <laughs> right. And then he did, and he was a complete fucking asshole. And, yeah, so when Kathleen put out her uh, documentary couple years ago i uh i emailed you want to plug that you want to plug her documentary her documentary was fantastic what was it it, it was called um uh, kathleen hannah is gonna fucking hang up on <laughs> that's the name let's see By don't call no, me her, her, i mean so i was at sif at that point i was working for sif and it's a brilliant documentary it it made her i thought seemed so human like mm-hmm. i had thought she was this angry uh right. just you know, fierce, like, you know. He had nothing else to go on, really. Right, I mean, nothing. Really, yeah. And this documentary really humanized her, and I thought, fuck it, I'm just going to write her an email. I right. don't know if she's going to respond. Uh, hold on. How, Kathleen Hanna documentary. I'm looking up the name of it. So I, I send her an email. She writes me back within one day, mm-hmm. and, you know, I wrote, I don't know if you remember me. Blah, blah, blah. She writes back and says, I totally remember you. I am so sorry. She was so fucking sweet. And then she said, are you doing radio now? Like she was willing to do an interview with me. So here's the thing. We haven't done it yet. But right. it will happen. Oh, I wonder man. what the change this was. This interview, well, well, was, dude, she just so grew cool. up, man. She, up. she just, she you know, like, right. you know, she grew up. She the like this documentary away a little bit. Yeah. 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 Well, I don't even know if it's. Oh, it's called the punk singer. I don't know if it's so much rebellion as she punk just. Singer. She's a human being, yeah. and right. she was stuck. Like the role that she sort of ushered in uh, and the sound that she ushered in yeah. was such a, you know, it was revolutionary. Very confrontational. Man. Yeah. yeah. And it was confrontational, yes, yeah. but it was, it was definitely, um, it was powerful. And, right. you know, that whole Riot Girl movement and yeah. she, so much pressure yeah. was put on her to be this centerpiece you right. know to be this spokesperson and, and you have to believe you gotta believe fucking in generation you can't go like they wanted me to go on Howard Stern when I, I was a strip club DJ for, for like seven years wow and they, they that gets you on Howard wait, Stern wait, wait. holy yeah. shit tell me, me like, do the routine so the song's ending uh, go ahead ladies and gentlemen give it up for Diamond get your hands off your dicks and put them together <laughs> And remember, tipping is not a city in China, folks. These girls are working hard for you. <laughs> so something like that. But I hated Howard Stern. They wanted me to take two porn stars we had. I can't remember I who it was. You hated Howard Stern. I hated the fucker. You I hated everything people. he said. Every, and you know why? Part of it was because he's Jewish. Because he objectified women. Damn it. Ah. I okay. was a strip club. That is DJ. that is possibly yeah, the right worst answer yeah, for anybody. But, okay. So there's a there's a power I to was it though. Sick. If yeah. women want to be in that position like they're more power to them right yeah. that's i mean like there's no shame in stripping it ended up being at the, all the not in portland being, in, in, in the end it ended up being the end of me because i just couldn't deal with it anymore right but right. i didn't believe in him i didn't like the right. way i thought he was a jerk and an idiot and whatever and they're like we're gonna send you over there and blah 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 and you can get we're taking these two points and i just like oh, i don't want to do it i love the fact that there's sort of this new revolution of women fucking taking over right? yeah and i fuck 
like look at what we've done with the men in charge. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I would right. love, yeah, no, I would you, love yeah. a woman president, man. If we I were, worked... if we, they were all out of office and it was run by women, we'd have, uh, a, great, we'd have a great government. I don't know about that. Well, a better government. They couldn't do worse. Let's put it that they way. Could not do Just worse. Just not all the male <laughs> posturing and sure. fucking bullshit. So bad, but and... we are not even going into that arena. Okay. Oh my god. So no, man. I was so touched that she wrote me back. And when you see this doc for people that are listening it's probably on netflix it's called the punk singer and it's just she lets people into her life and she you know had got sick and so this documentary is being filmed while she's in the hospital and like while she's no she had um god see i don't even remember what she had she got some kind of disease kim from uh fastbacks got sick too i think she's better but she got yeah well, fuck it. That also happens with age, man. I don't know about you, but I'm finding shit falling apart Whoa. quickly. <laughs> I'm finding shit. I don't even know what it is. Yeah. Like, right. Was that there before? Right. I don't you know even... what, dude? Well, here's the bottom line. We're lucky to be alive. Yeah. 100%. I'm lucky to be alive. I, I'm sure I, all three of us. You can absolutely speak for all of us. Yeah, man. Yeah, I sure. mean, you know, it's nice being sober. I'm glad you're sober, and I'm glad you're sober. Yeah. But but we all so are wouldn't, the police. We all <laughs> wouldn't be sober had we not... <laughs> fucking pushed it as far oh, as we possibly oh, could. 100%. Nobody gets sober because you want to. No. <laughs> so, so real quick, let, let, uh, and we won't dwell too much on this, but like, how was your bottom? Was it? Did wow. you drag on it? That's, we, now, my bottom you? lasted for 25 fucking years. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I mean, like somebody said to me recently, why did you get sober? Why this time? Mm-hmm. It wasn't that dramatic this time. I, you know, I had the, I had the kind experience. of threat of maybe being homeless, mm-hmm. but I, you but know. But did you know? Did you, were you like. I just knew. This is it. This is, I pushed this as far as I possibly yeah. See, could. See, I knew. I yeah. had the same thing. I knew. It was I had the same It's just time, dude. It wasn't some big, huge, like the sky cracked open. Mm-hmm. It was, oh shit, I can't keep doing this. Yeah. Yeah. This is not sustainable. There were some, some violins for sure. I was like, the romance is over. Like, right, I right. I've had this romance. James with always violins. Dude, my last bender, yeah. I was up for five days uh, at a very sketchy place that I won't talk about here. Five days, I barely ate, and I think I had like some of those fruit chews and maybe one Gatorade. Which and I started James, hallucinating. That's, that's I totally thought people, reasonable to me. Oh, my God. That sounds one, I'm like, <laughs> five I'm, fucking days, I'm though, like, bro. You were that was the 90s guy. for me, pretty <laughs> much. <That> was, <laughs> you had fruit shoes and games? Yeah, man. Whoa, I, like, whoa man. Like, easy. But for five, easy there, Gandhi. Like, you know, at the, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, at the end, I'm talking to people who aren't there. I'm like, you know, dude, you are this close to dying. It. That shit was cute when we were twenty. Right. Yeah, yeah. That was fun when we were oh, twenty-five. Yeah. No, I laughed. I, I laugh. I laugh with people about the years that I that I lived off Klondike bars, straight up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Only thing I ate for at least a solid year. There was Klondike always bar. somebody in my backseat. Right. I mean, when if I, was I had driving, to I eat something, the only oh, thing I dude. could do. Oh, dude. I was always like, there was always oh, that I'm little so shadow. Glad it wasn't like, just me. I'm oh, so my, glad it wasn't drives, just me. That's why I drive the truck with no oh. backseat. Well, I'm glad the bottom came for all of us. Yeah, man. Yeah. You know, because we probably wouldn't. This would be a different show right now <laughs> if the bottom. It would be had a really quiet show. Come for all. Of it, it was. Really, it it really was really just intense. <laughs> and you know what? The thing also for me is, I had graduated. I always had a fear of needles, and during the last year, I was losing that fear. Sure. And I was going down that road where I was like, well, that shit feels good, bro. <laughs> like, yeah, man. Really I mean, does. like it just like you know, I realized where I was going with it too. I'm like. Yeah. Fuck. Okay, smoking crack was one thing. Right. You got real good at that. Sure. But now I'm like it's learning. You know, 
still on their skill set. Fuck, man. It it's is a progress. It's so progressive. Yeah. You know, I remember when like weed was the greatest thing in the world, and then when I you know found coke, I'm like fuck weed, and then when I found meth, fuck coke. Yeah. And then when I found you know so on and so on and so on. How long? So on. How long you been clean? So I haven't had a drink in August. Will be 16 years. I took pills that weren't mine about seven years ago. Okay. Um, but I didn't. I didn't. I've been sober for 16 years. I didn't wow. get high when I relapsed. I did was breaking them in half and just kind of like right, right. You know, I was really. I wish I'd got high. Honestly, <laughs> why I, if you were gonna relapse, would you not get high? Well, I, know, I didn't. Kind of idiot I didn't is really that? Know I, I was I relapsing. I, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I just uh, kind of <laughs> like my ankle. I had surgery, ran out of pills. Girl you know what? Pills. I always think about that. I always think about the times that you relapsed. What pussy relapses they were. Like I think, uh, I, I regret dude, it. why didn't me. you go big? If yeah, you're yeah. going I, out, I to go, go big. big. Instead Terrible. of sneaking into bars so nobody can see me and I'm having a beer and yeah. you know maybe I'll have two. Like instead got, of just got, if you're going out, my go last out. one in Seattle. A buddy of mine who I actually work with now, he caught me. Like I walked into my apartment and. Sat down and like put my stuff on the table. Realized it was not real drugs, because I too loved the crack cocaine. Oh, and my buddy, my buddy, was it? my buddy, knock knock I knock, hate that walks one. in macadamia nuts. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> macadamia nuts. <laughs> it's a, it's a great it's substitute, litter. by the way. Kitty I mean, litter right, off the floor. Totally. Fuck. And uh, and and my my buddy walks in, and he's like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "You know what? I'm not even. I don't have the energy to lie to you. I just went and bought some bad drugs, and I'm leaving right now." to go get some good drugs. <laughs> like, there was... Because I was not going to be that guy. Right. I was like, this is not going to be my... Macadamia nuts are not going to be my goddamn... Fuck. <laughs> How many times I bought bad crack? But, you know... I, so... So, God, I, you, you want to hear this awesome oh, crack please. story? Oh, okay. please. I'm always so, I was story. in rehab. Okay, am I... I'm trying to think. Can I talk about this? So I I, I went to sober living. Hypothetical in front okay, of everything. Okay, okay. But, but there's individuals that I have definitely, to name. Definitely, definitely. Uh, yeah. uh, so I I <laughs> I was in Florida. I I got fired from VH1 mm-hmm. because I was fucking out of my mind on crack cocaine. When is when is this? Uh 2000. Okay. So yeah, I lived on the Upper West Side. Had a killer like apartment, and it was right next to a Puerto Rican gay bar. Uh, kind of my kind of an issue for me. Uh, I could go so many places with this right and now. And there were like, and and basically it was Dominicans and and Puerto Ricans on my street. There were two flags on the street. It was the first time the Dominicans and the Puerto Ricans were trying to come together. So basically, there was no cocaine anywhere. Tons of fucking drugs everywhere. So, uh, so, so I went to rehab, uh, and then decided got out of rehab that time. And I've been seven times, so there's many stories. Uh, so got out that number. time and thought, okay, where are you going to go? You've been fired, but you have a six-month severance. They gave me sure. a fucking six-month uh, severance, yeah, full like salary. Viacom money. Oh, like, Jesus yeah. Christ, dude. So where are you going to go? What are you going to do? And I thought, you can't go back home. You don't want to go live with your parents. I'm embarrassed to go back to the music industry in L.A. I don't want to go back to Seattle. That's old territory. So uh, let me think. I'm going to go to Miami. I'm going to go to Miami. I'm going to uh, do yoga. The gay bar wasn't enough. I'm going like... to do yoga. I'm going to get an apartment. I'm going to start trying to do some radio there. I'm going to meditate on the beach in the morning, go to meetings. The first day I get there, I fall asleep, and I got so severely sunburned <laughs> that I was throwing up. I had sun poisoning. 
And two weeks later, sorry, I, it's still I, funny. Fucking, uh, <laughs> dude. Two weeks later, and all oh, the stories that come out of there. I was in Miami. I also inherited thirty grand oh, when I was in Miami. Oh so I basically you invested, spent. You invested that well. I, I was there six months, and I spent sixty grand. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, right. And it's that six months is its own movie. It's Whoa. its own fucking I, movie. I, oh. uh, but uh, like, so when I was there. Finally, I was thrown out of a hotel. No more money. Mm-hmm. Like, no money's coming. I reached that six-month severance. I've spent all the, you know, my, uh, my uh, fucking 30 grand that I So inherited. homelessness is leering. Th- they're throwing me on the curb. Yeah. Right. So I call a buddy of mine. He's like, okay, I'm going to get you into sober living uh, through an organization called MAP. Music's, musicians Assistance Program, which mm-hmm. is now Music Cares. Right. So right. they basically, a friend of mine, one of my old bosses, got me on a plane, flew me to Los Angeles. I went straight into a sober living for musicians and actors. Oh, God. So oh, I'm boy. there. I here's, go straight in. I want a camera here's, in here's, that place. Yeah. Yeah. I want oh, a camera. Oh, my God. Dude, 20 dudes. I shared a bedroom for six months. Until I relapsed on amyl nitrate, which is a whole different story I'll tell wow, you about. Wow, talk about a shitty oh, relapse. fuck. <laughs> it's the shittiest relapse. So I shared a, like, I cooked be- breakfast for 20 dudes right. every morning. Like, that was my job at the house. Right. But I, you go to therapy with all of these other professional musicians that are in mm-hmm. therapy. Mm-hmm. And actors. So the And actors. No, this was uh, primarily music people in they therapy. Separate. So but it's it wasn't, really it wasn't music like the show on TV with the, the old actor from Taxi. and like oh, it was, No, <laughs> it was a lot of that, dude. It right. was a lot You're of like, that. It yeah. actually was It that. was all those. It was a lot of has-beens. Uh, and a lot of people I fucking love to this day. Sure. And still talk to and are sober now and doing great things. A lot of them died, too. Yeah, a lot of yeah. people died. Sad. But I remember being in a meeting, and when you go to, the, so when you're doing group therapy through MAP, mm-hmm. it's the biggest musicians in the world in this therapy session. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, can we guess? I mean, you can guess. I'll, I'll <laughs> tell you straight Ozzie. up. Ozzie. I'll <laughs> tell you straight up. Ozzie. Not Ozzy. So, the person that I ended up connecting with, of all goddamn things, and we would sit in the back of the room and just make fun of everything, was Rick James. Me and Rick. Me and Rick. And nobody, he was such a dick to everybody else. But for some reason, we got along so famously because he knew I was gay. And he's like, you you pour your heart out at this shit. And so he was like, oddball, weirdo. Yeah. Like, you know, he... He just hated everybody. Man. This officially has become the best story ever. So told me and Rick became right friends, and it was it was great. But one of my favorite fucking stories is uh, Gibby from the Butthole Surfers Ooh. was in the meeting, and he tells this story about at the height of his crack using. Are we way over time? No, we got okay. plenty of time. I, was, okay. I, was, I, I suddenly stopped being able to hear myself. In the uh, okay. Uh, so Gibby was like. <laughs> And you're only going to know this if you've done crack. You're only going to get this joke. Right. So when Gibby would get a check from the Butthole Surfers, when he would get sure. a royalty check, he would go out and just buy tons of crack cocaine. Right. Just the best crack once. cocaine. Yeah. And so he would have people over, which crack cocaine is not exactly <laughs> a hangout drug. It's not. You don't want to no. hang out I've with a bunch of people. i in situations where it was, but oh. I get your point. So anyway, he, he, he said when the party started and everybody was in the room, he would take a handful of the crack and just throw it as hard as he could across the room, and it would just bounce off the walls into the carpet, into the fucking, into the couch, into everywhere. And he's like, 
That's for later. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's great. Pachinko crack. Oh, so if you've ever smelled crack, yeah, you know yeah. oh, when yeah. you're out, you start crawling right. on the floor exactly. looking for more. Yeah, yeah. So this time oh, it yeah. was there. Oh, yeah. I love that I story. I call it carpet, carpet farming. That is classic. How many, how many bullshit oh. <laughs> things have you smoked I said, thinking I it was crack? I said to my buddy the other day, I was like, who knew... Sugar tasted so shitty. Set on oh, fire. God, you can taste <laughs> it that moment it hits you. Yeah, a lot of things you shouldn't light on fire. Oh, right? Jesus right? Christ. But, but the, my worst crack story was it was just a, it was a rock. I bought it from a guy I knew, and it was literally a rock. It was actually a rock. Wow. You're sitting there trying it to burn it. It wasn't even a <laughs> nut of any kind. <laughs> it's not a macadamia nut. And then with a, like a blowtorch on the yeah. shit, you're when like, the what knife, the fuck? When the knife hit it, it was like my jaw dropped. You know, I grabbed here's the, the question. Here's the real oh, question, though. Fuck. How long did you try to smoke it? So well, here, here's the deal. Like he, an hour? You know, what, you know what's funny? It was it was, it was was Barry <laughs> Jackson, and it, his, his brother's name's Michael Jackson, who's still out there running around smoking to this day. Occasionally comes in the rooms. but um, And he took me to the phone booth, gave me the old hit, and then did the switcheroo. Uh, so I was like, oh, my God, this shit is uh, there's And so then did the switcheroo, and I went home. Let's and just like, talk oh, about oh, all, fuck. like, how... how Deviant people can be on crack cocaine. Oh, Just Jesus. like trying to like load your pipe for you and hand it to you. Like well, especially dealers, like, they're the worst. Oh, dealers are you the know? worst. I'm writing. I'm writing a book, and uh, and one. Of are the you ch- really? Yeah. About all this stuff. It's, it's about crack. Awesome man. Yeah, all of <laughs> awesome. It. But there's this. There's a chapter in it where I'm going to the projects in San Francisco, yeah. and it's four o'clock in the morning, and I'm on a motorcycle, and I'm dressed all in black, and I'm walking up to this seedy ass, yeah, crip looking crack dealer, yeah. and just it basically is about the language, how. We just go like this, and oh, we yeah. look at each other, oh, like, yeah. "What's up, Peckerwood?" And I'm yeah. like, "What's up, bro? Let me get this and that. Fuck yeah. you!" And like, you gotta, you, know, you gotta come you, with that. Yeah, you gotta come with that, and then you back away. You know, you never right. turn your back on each other, yeah. and that is that yeah. whole process of it. You, it you is. can't, you can't do our favorite. Hey, hey, hey right. let's go with that. Hey, Can I get some crack? I you guys have the crack cocaine. Okay. <laughs> the top going? three things people ask me: Number one, did you get your gold record back? Your Nirvana gold record thread in this documentary that I did. Number two, are those your real teeth? Yeah. And number three, are you a cop? Because how many situations have you walked into? Yeah. Well, you look like are a deviant. All of the answers no. You yeah, look I, like I a deviant. So, yeah. so, so I, I always no. had that going I just for me. Is like, every answer to those questions no? You didn't get the record back. Those aren't your teeth. And you're not a cop. Uh, they are my teeth. No shit. Yeah. Those are my wow. teeth. Uh, I had parents that were obsessed with me That's having uh, great teeth. My so we took too, fluoride pills and shit like that. I wouldn't think cop. Didn't help. Everybody thinks cop. I would Waspy definitely motherfucker. I would definitely be leery, but I wouldn't think cop. I, I think could, maybe I divorcee. A, I could see you ah, who just needs to get high. On the wild side. Yeah. Fuck it. I'm gonna smoke crack. Like a, gritty, a gritty cop show. Like, oh you know, shit, man. I I remember easy. having to do shit with dealers to prove I wasn't a cop. Yeah. Let's just talk about the shit you have to do oh, to prove. Oh, yeah. I've had God. to. Uh, Usually I've never talked about this stuff. Anyway. This is the first time oh, get it all. ever get I've it talked all, about this brother. stuff. But I'm also writing, uh, I'm doing a project right now uh-huh. with the Seattle Rep. So we're delving into oh, some of these stories. We should talk. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm looking at, no, so who just did the, was it American Junkie? American Junkie was Tom. Book at Theater. It's Tommy, right? Tom Hansen, yeah. yeah. I heard it I heard it was. I met him for the first time, dude. I oh, never knew him. Tom's yeah, I knew him from the streets. But okay. uh, I had a couple people that went and, well, then uh, I won't say any names. But she said she had to leave. She said it was so visceral. It that was she had to leave for me. I had to look away, man, because when Ooh. I see shoot up scenes, like you know, it, right. it, in movies, whatever uh-huh. it is, yeah. I can't do it. I have to look right. away. It's too. Right. And there were a couple moments in there where I was like, 
this is so real mm-hmm. that I'm uncomfortable. But it was one of the best productions I've seen. Really? Considering their budget. Oh, yeah, man. It was like punk rock and raw. And it was it was Tom's life. Tom sat I, I right really, behind me. I really had a hard time imagining what that production would it look like. It was brilliant. Like, yeah, they would wow. cut to light. So... Tom, so my friend Tim was the, in that, and the, a couple the other actor, people. The actor that played Tom would be laying center stage on a dirty mattress telling this story. They would, you know, lights go to black, and a punk rock band is on the stage within three seconds wow. playing a punk rock song. Yeah. Lights up. I mean, it was That's so crazy. fast and solid. Wow, it was yeah. like... And that stage is, I mean, that you're in it. Yeah, it, it's the you're right size there. of this stage, Yeah, man. you're it's, right there, really. It's, 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 uh, it was an awesome production, and... You know, I got to hang out with Tom a little bit on KXP. We had him on and talked about the presentation. And Can you talk about, about what you're doing? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I haven't told anybody this either. Oh, let's do it. Breaking so, news right uh, here on T-Bomb. I, for the last year, I've been writing with the Seattle Repertory Theater uh-huh. to do a storytelling series uh, sometime in 2020. Amazing. That yeah. Cool. So, C, producer C does a lot of that stuff. Um, Shout she's out producer done. C. Yeah, shout out to producer C. You guys should talk afterwards. Really? She does wow, very cool uh, workshops, all kinds of stuff. About awesome storytelling in the local. Yeah, East man, Island. we're already blocking the stage, and we're already uh, to the point. Most of the stories are written, but we have a couple of things we're working on that I don't want to give away. Mm-hmm. One of which has to do with that gold record, and people are gonna shit their pants. Yeah. Anybody that cared about that Nirvana gold record, which for some reason people seem to really give a shit about the fact that I lost that record yeah, and right. that right. it's followed me all over the country. Right. People have tried to sell it to right. me. It's been on fucking eBay. I get people saying, hey, we know where it is. Right. Well, people, well we found cause, it. Because people, like you were saying, that have never done that whole routine with a dealer or an in-between where you have to prove that you're not a cop, yeah. don't understand <sighs> what goes into being And you know what? When you're, when you're jonesing for drugs, you will do anything to get those drugs, to right. be done with that, yeah. with the exchange, and get the fuck out yeah. of Dodge. Because Here's my question. When you initially sold the gold record... I didn't sell you it. You didn't sell it? No, it was Created in the storage it. space. Oh, you, okay. And I didn't pay the storage fees. It was <laughs> during the Miami days. <laughs> right. So right. the storage space went up for sale, right. and all my gold oh. records... Oh. Dude, I had 32 oh. crates of vinyl from right. my entire career. Right. So this is like, collateral damage. Like, Somebody just, just was everything. so happy oh about that. Oh, like, whoever I mean, you got made it. someone really happy. Unless yeah, they didn't someone. know what the hell they had. Yeah. They had to have known. Yeah. You don't see a gold Nirvana record and go, what? But you might look at that also. So so did you, were you able to track it around? So when I was in Miami, somebody who had gotten a hold of it emailed me and tried to sell it to me for, they wanted three grand for it. Uh I'm like, I'm in Miami. And at that point, all I cared about was fucking getting high and getting laid. Um, not, and li- not living in a refrigerator. Yeah, I box. just I didn't care. Yeah, I just didn't give a shit about. That is a technical unit of housing in Florida. Yeah, a refrigerator. Yeah, box. yeah. this is rough, man. You host. um, it uh, I just didn't care, and the whole thing went to sale. And I remember being in a fucking cheap hotel because what I would do in Miami is I would get my check automatically deposited, and I'd go. Fuck this! I'm staying in a nice hotel. I'm gonna go get a fucking haircut. I'm gonna buy some clothes. I'm gonna eat dinner at a nice place. I'm gonna get a massage, and I'll be a normal person again. Right. I won't feel so empty. Right. And then that lasts for a couple nights, mm-hmm. and then I'm back at the two hundred dollars a week hotel. Oh yeah, in the shitty part of town. Oh yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I've got experience. Two hundred dollars a week. That's, that's upscale. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah, in Miami it wasn't. Right. <laughs> where, where I was staying, it wasn't. I never, I never got to the desperation because I was just mean. Oh so, yeah. Yeah, we would just rob people. Like we would. Right. Just rob oh okay. I was got, more like you. I was like, how do I hold up? Yeah. And just get yeah. as much shit as I possibly mm-hmm. can. Like that Gibby story. I totally relate to that. Oh my god. That sounds so completely buy, reasonable. Buy in bulk. Me. Oh my god! Yeah, by I bulk. used to I used to scare the shit out of dealers. They'd be like, "What, dude? You you just bought me out? Yeah, I don't have any because right. of you. Right? How are you? It's only been an hour. Right? Yeah. When dealers are telling you no, yeah. Oh yeah, something's going oh, yeah. on. God, I love that we all have this experience because I'm sure people <laughs> that are listening to this right now are going, "These motherfuckers." <laughs> right. Uh, but you know what? I can't help but think in our circles, we we see a lot of people that have gone through mm-hmm. similar things. And I see people every day. I've got friends here that are homeless right now. Sure. And uh, it's fucking rough. It's, it's just, fucked up it, how easily I just said sure. Yeah, man. I, I was mean, just like, well, yeah, of course, of course, we all have homeless friends. Like, well, Jody yeah. works in those in those in that field. I mean, he. Yeah. Does oh, you those, do. Those what do you do? Um, I, I, I'm, uh, blah 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 blah. <laughs> Why is this the hardest thing for me to talk about? Um, well, because I don't want to use the wrong words and piss off anybody I work with. So I'm the program coordinator for uh, Weld Seattle, which is a nonprofit homeless organization that provides housing oh, that's for people who are coming, particularly people with uh, who are system impacted, criminal wow. records, um, and have addiction issues. So I have something I need to talk to you about after we get off. I'm not going to record it. Are you looking at hey, uh, yeah. yeah. Does anyone have to take a leak? Anybody get I'm good. I'm okay. Yeah. I'm okay. Um, so, yeah, interesting. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we delved into all that a little bit because it's, it's us. Yeah, ah, it's what I went through, man. And I don't look at that experience. I mean, I'm only a year and a half sober. Literally on the 18th, I had a year and a half yeah. sober. Congratulations. But I, but something happened. Something happened in yeah. my brain. Did it like feel something? Did, did, I, have, I have a question. Yeah. Did a year feel different this time? No, because I was super fucking depressed. Like I was right. borderline. Like you know, there was were that, a couple is that times. Standard because you've you've had you've had some little. Yeah, time but depression was never this bad, dude. Right, it was. So never you just kind of missed bad. it. So I, so the difference yeah. was worse. Like it was. Like, oh, it was way worse. I mean, I it was just. It but was do you think hellish. that's there necessarily? Were weeks I couldn't get out of bed. Do you think that's necessarily a bad thing though? Like in Maybe retrospect. Not. Maybe that was my bottom. Being right. sober right. and having to yeah. go through that pain. I, I, I tell you the worst sober the worst bottom. Parts of, yeah, the worst parts of sobriety are the parts that have that have really like kept me going. So here's he and I'll be honest with you about this too. I, I talked on KSP about this. I thought several times about killing myself. Sure. Mm-hmm. Several times. Oh, yeah. In fact, one of the times I walked out to the fucking bridge. Yeah. Wow. Uh I walked out to the bridge and I sat there crying. And at that point I knew that I couldn't go through with it. I knew that I couldn't. Right. And I that's a good thing to know about yourself. Absolutely. It's a fucking good it's thing imp- to know about it's yourself, important. dude. It's important. Um, and then, you know, I, I just kept, it kept going through my head like, you would be the guy to survive and be paraplegic. They, because they, you I, hit the water and whatever. My, my ex's uh, boyfriend or husband used to work there, and he said he'd see bodies flying off there all the time. Yeah, but they, I was just reading an article today. It was, I was on Facebook or something. They put the mini houses there, like, for the home. Yep, yep. Yeah. <laughs> like that's right where the people jump off the damn yeah. bridge, and they're gonna go into. The and apparently, well, now they got those big high fences, right? Well, yeah, and apparently, yeah. a lot of people jump and miss, it, it, like mistake where the water is because oh. people do it at and night, they, and, so they and they the hit the ground. They no, hit the they ground. hit the ground. Yeah. Oh, they're actually aiming for the water. But they're they aiming gra- for the water, oh. but because of oh, fuck that. breeze and whatever. So I want ground. The bottom line is, it was a powerful moment for me to, and I probably was out there for forty minutes, and then I went and sat. 
under the bridge and just fucking cried. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, that, uh, that was an eye opening experience for me because I had thought about it for a long time. I thought you just can't beat this shit and it's beating you into the fucking ground. Mm -hmm. You're getting fucking like, it's just things had gotten really, really bad again. Right. And, um, so getting sober. So yeah, I say, I say I didn't experience a bottom, but fuck shit was like, you know, I guess I've never experienced a pink (laughs) cloud. Honestly, I've never really experienced the pink cloud. I've had a charmed life, but I've never sort of felt like everything's good. Mm -hmm. Everything's cool. Mm -hmm. And I still don't feel like that, but I do feel like shit's getting better. I heard a guy say the other day that the the pink cloud that we talk about yeah. is just you're just brain dead. That's all. You're just your brain stops Jesus functioning. Because how else could you think everything is great? It, it, it is kind of like you, you just kind have of just no brain because you're not feeling the other way. Right. You're not feeling the other you way, know? and right. you're just like you're so your your brain's so shot out. You don't know any different. Right. Well, thanks so for being I guess so that, candid. I mean, that's that's amazing that you're even saying this. I mean, this is you're super candid, and I, and I love you, and I hate I would be really sad. Yeah, I have man, a transition out of that 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 KEXP thing because we were talking about this earlier. Um, what did what did that look like? How did that how did that all transpire? Me coming back to KXP, right? Because I mean, so, of, of course you are who you are, and you've got your resume, so I'm right. sure it wasn't confusing no, to anyone. Going, like, I'm gonna pee. So I worked at KXP uh, several years ago, and uh-huh. I was there for two years. Right. And the reason I left is I stopped showing up to shows. Right. I didn't know when I was on. You know, I was right. hanging out in places Oof. where you don't know if it's night or day. Sure. And so I kind of was. In one of those places, I didn't know it was Monday. Like right. I t- lost track of total time. Right. I I stopped showing up for prime shifts. Right. You know, like they were counting on me to be there for the afternoon show. Right. They were counting on me to be there for the midday show. Right. And I just wasn't showing up anymore. Yeah. And I was fucking up. And at one point, John was. I hope he doesn't mind me talking about this. I uh, he was giving me my own show, right. like my own permanent show. I wasn't right. just going to be the fill-in guy. Right. And I slept in. I slept in. And I woke up and I went. Classic. You do. You obviously don't deserve your own fucking show if you couldn't be right. on time. Right. To have this thing, you know, to be right. given this honor. Yeah. Uh, so I left, or they fired me. Um, it's up to really who you ask about that, but right. I, I probably a little, I bit, left. little bit of each. Little bit yeah. of both, yeah. I think. Yeah. And I. Um, it, at that point, I was like, I always felt like you fucked this up. Like you right. fucked up a lot of right. jobs, but this was a place that welcomed you. Yeah. And this is a place where you could have been employed for a long time. Right. You know, you could have been there. You And it just, I wasn't ready for it, man, clearly. Right. Yeah. Um, so when I hit a year of sobriety, yet I remained friends with everybody sure. there. Yeah. Um, and when I hit a year of sobriety, I, I just came back to John and said, I don't know if you would ever consider this in a million years. Right. And he said, why don't you come in and let's talk? Right. And I came in and I was really honest and we had a pretty intense heart to heart and we left by him saying, I'm going to give you a shot, but I need you to communicate with me at every single right. step. Sure. If you, if you relapse, if you fall off, I need you to tell me that and just be honest because yeah. I don't want you to be, you're not getting, you're not coming back for a third time, bro. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. You right. Know what right, I mean? right. So, I mean, I respect the shit out of the fact that he even allowed me to come back yeah. and that they've allowed me to come back. Yeah. I don't, you know, the thing is too, my, my style is very different than KEXP and it's already a little bit of a, 
it's it's a very different rhythm. Sure. Uh, yeah. So they're already kind of almost breaking format in a way when they have me on, right. like not yeah. musically, but yeah. you know, so I've got a, a lot of energy. Like, yeah, eh. it might be he's not, you know, he's not exactly what we're trying to do. But uh, but we're gonna give him a shot again, and I'm right. eternally grateful for that. So do you I've feel been back different since November? On, I mean, obviously you feel different now that you're sober on KEXP, but in terms of from <laughs> yeah, because I'm there from 107 to KEXP. In terms of like, do you feel like your styles changed at all? Hey, are, you you, are you different? Are you different? Are, are you different? Like, are you more relaxed? Yeah, I'm, are you I'm the same DJ. Like I can't really same. be somebody right. else. Yeah. Um, I've tried. I you know I did. I worked for a radio station in LA for a while and I did my shows from up here. Right. So my shit was really tight. Yeah. Like when when you're on in LA, you don't oh. have room to, you know, screw up. So yeah, everything right. was pre-taped and I was tight. That's like the my market. I mean, were, the East Coast in LA is the market. Right, and that's right. The you don't fuck up in market. those markets. You're, right. you're tight, tight, tight. Yeah. Because yeah. the competition is fierce. I mean, here so, it's pretty relaxed. So my shows right. then were extremely focused mm. and I was in and out. Like, right. With enough stories, you know, my storytelling got really refined. Sure. Mm. At KXP, I sort of haven't found my rhythm yet. Mm. You know, they started a new show. Thank God, they started a new uh, show called Sound and Vision right. on Saturday mornings. That literally, we're in our third episode. I think but I applied for that job. Did you really? I think I did. Oh shit! <laughs> um, so it's um, you know, I'm doing a story um, this coming Saturday. On a new trans <clears throat> artist here in Seattle, that's so cool. Transgender artist that who, I think is the uh, she's called Left at London. Mm -hmm. um, she's fantastic. Look her up. She's okay. on iTunes. She just premiered a video that actually is premiering today. So by the time you hear this, you can find it. Um, she's she's amazing. So my first story with the with the show is on her. Nice. Um, but then I'm gonna do a series on uh, classic Seattle albums. Like Woo! the most classic albums of all time sure. out of Seattle. And I'm having somebody come in <clears throat> to talk about those records who either had something to do with the record, a uh, huge fan of the band, uh, worked in the studio with the band, right. or, or perhaps even the band. Obviously right. not talk. gold right. records. What would you say? Yeah, yeah obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, wah, 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 wah. Right. By the way. We found the gold record. Oh, yes. I don't have the gold record. Right. Negotiations are still going on. But so are we going to have to pull an OJ and go get that motherfucker? No, well, <laughs> uh, I don't want to talk about it because it uh, has something to do with the Seattle Rep project that I'm working on right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah you got right. right. Let's I'm just say that there's, there's intellectual property, man. Let's, gotta, just, let's just yeah. say that... Um, it's, it's gonna be a, it's it's a, it's a wild card. Something's I don't know. Here. I yeah, something's happening, but it's a really fucked up story. I'm I'm looking forward it's to it. It's a really So was that storage unit the last time that it was actually in your possession? Yeah. Oh wow. Yep. So That's it's, amazing. it's been a while. But I have pictures of it now. <laughs> right. Yeah. From friends of mine who have partied in the house that it's in oh, oh the story oh, wait it, so the story weird. i don't even want to ruin it because yeah. for yeah, this yeah, bigger yeah, yeah, thing yeah. but no, please don't th this is beyond any story i've ever told wow the the travels of this thing mm -hmm. the people that it's well let me ask you this do do you in your mind think yeah. it's still yours or is it not yours i mean because technically you gave it up I did give it up. You did give it up. Absolutely. And somebody went through the proper channels to get it. Sure. So it belongs to someone else. It is very right. symbolic. It is very symbolic, and it. Um, I don't know if I'm getting it back. So there's a wild card that I'm not telling you about. I'm still. We're I'm, we're leaving it up to fate. 
Does it matter? I still but think the matter. fact that you Are have you your okay teeth is the most surprising. So, that's, <laughs> that's just, my, your teeth look fantastic. Those are great Fuck fucking the gold teeth. Album. You got great teeth. So, <laughs> so I, you know, here's the thing. It means a lot to people that have seen my film or mm-hmm. know my mm-hmm. travels, my history, because it's it's me getting that record back is is redemption. Sure. Right. Um. So by I, proxy, it means oh, a lot to you. By, by the yeah, way, speaking... You know what? It means a lot to me, but I, it doesn't mean as much to me as it means to other people. It, it like, to and right. that's a weird sure. thing. Well, and, you, and I know that you have, like, you, because of your place in history and all of this, regardless of, like, how you feel about timing or this or that or whatever, I know, actually, and I, I have to do this so that I can stay married, my wife is a huge fan of yours. She oh, came cool. up. Um, her name is Jamie mm-hmm, Bardicke. Yeah. Um, and she... She would. She did. Um, she went to Central Washington. And she did college radio there, so she looked up to you. Oh, cool. Very much. Yeah. And when we first started dating, she's like, "Do you know who Marco Collins is?" I'm like, "The guy from the radio." Yeah, of course. Yeah, I know who Marco Collins. And she just went on and on and on. She went to the premiere of the movie. I'm like, "All oh, this oh, stuff." Oh, that's cool, man. So I have to. I have to give a shout out to my wife because she would kill me if I Hi, didn't Jamie. mention her name in the story. Hey, Jamie. <laughs> uh, thanks for coming. By the way, that movie premiere was a mind. I bet that's yeah, gotta be weird. Shit, what is man. That like? <laughs> the mean, worst it's... part is, so my dad in the film wasn't exactly a hero until later in the film. Right. You know, Redemption. my dad. Yeah, yeah. Until he said a couple lines for people that haven't seen the movie. Uh, it's a documentary that uh, I was approached to do about the Seattle music scene initially. Right. And as seen through my eyes, so I would come to places like this, and we'd recall shows. Um, that it happened. They wanted that to be sort of the story until they got to know my history and my life. And then they're they, like, oh, this is the story. Yeah, there's a, <laughs> there's a interesting story here. So my dad, um, I did not invite him to the premiere. He had seen the film. Right. He's in the film. Right. We flew up there and interviewed him for the film. Mm-hmm. I did not see, uh, I didn't want him at the premiere. Because I didn't know how people were going to react. Right. Yeah. And right. they flew him up and snuck it. My dad flew up on his own, but wow. reached out to my movie crew. Right. Now, my dad was a sick man at the sure. time. So I when when he was there, I, I saw him on the red carpet, and they wanted it to be a big surprise. And I was like, ah. Oh. Are we talking sick addiction, or are we talking sick? No, sick, sick. sick. My dad's been sober for years. My dad okay. like got sober. No, sick. He, well, my dad is now gone and it was less than a year after that documentary mm-hmm. uh premiered that he died of cancer so he had all kinds of physical ailments that either he was not telling us about mm-hmm. because from diagnosis to death was only five days for my dad wow. so uh, we all seem to think that maybe he's known about this a lot longer sure. my dad is the ultimate like don't want to worry anybody don't right, want to bother yeah, anybody yeah. Old he was that guy. classic Old dad, school. the classic secrets, dad of that era. Secrets, secrets, secrets. Sure. Like you know, my dad used to tell me, "Don't tell your grandmother you're yeah. gay." Right. You know, which right. that kind of fucking shit fucks people up. Sure. So my dad and I always had this um, relationship that wasn't wasn't healthy, uh, healthy at all yeah, yeah. until the later years. Yeah. Right. Um, but I just didn't want my dad to be subjected to being in a theater full of people that I wasn't sure how they were going to react to him, man. And in the end, he said a line and got a fucking, the place went apeshit. Right. You know, with a line that wow. he said in the movie. So I feel so much 
sure. better about that. But yeah. I, you know, we were going to have a premiere in Sacramento closer to his hometown that I thought that's the one that he'll go to. Mm-hmm. I right. just, I, I just. Well, I, portrayal's hard, man. I mean, as a, when I write portraying people, you're like, fuck, my mom's going to read this. Right. And so-and-so's going to read this. Yeah. And it's, uh, and he got, it's so the he truth. Got to, so he got oh, to experience it's that. the truth, but it's r- You're saying real. right before he passed. Yeah, he got to see it right wow. before he passed, came to town, saw the premiere, you know, met Mike from Pearl Jam. So you did know, you see uh, him see right. it? No, I didn't want it. He oh, sat with my sister. Wow. I, I I didn't want anything to. I just That's it was intense. a it was That's a really, really hard thing because <laughs> a I um I was using throughout the entire mm-hmm. shoot right. like I was on drugs the entire time mm-hmm. so I can look at myself in scenes and go oh, oh boy I remember yeah. that you know you maybe got two kind hours of, of sleep for right. this shoot. Um, Have you watched it recently at all? No, I can't watch it. Yeah, I mean, I, I pretty well, that's, I, that's how I'm with my photo albums. I can yeah. look through all my photo albums and go, I'm high or drunk in every single right. picture. And I don't even just, like listening so, to recordings. I was telling you the other day, I don't even like listening to recordings of my voice from back then. I just, yeah, I hear it's, it. Oh, yeah, just, that's I hear hard. It. That's I hear hard. It. Yeah. Uh, the hardest part was we did a film festival tour. It, it went to a bunch of cities. And I couldn't watch it in those cities. Oh. I had to leave right. and go have coffee sure. or whatever for an hour and a half, and then come back for a Q and A. Well, I didn't do my homework. I didn't watch it, but but I feel like I know you. <laughs> I know you a little bit, and we've been yeah. in the same rooms. I yeah. think you know. Uh, uh, Gina, for a long time, Gina's yeah. a friend of mine, and 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 yeah, she's great. And um, but so I felt like I knew enough. Like yeah, he's fucked yeah. up. That's all I need <laughs> to know. He's like Marco's <laughs> fucked up. He's Shit. just like me. So I didn't need it to really delve too much. You into know that. what's funny though? We didn't even with this documentary. We didn't go as far into the gutter as we could have. Mm-hmm. Like I never said crack cocaine yeah. in this documentary. It was just cocaine. Right. Oh, I'm doing piles of cocaine. Like right. I didn't talk about what was really going on. Yeah. And that was in part my director's decision. Sure. He, sure. He Let's wanted soften it, it up yeah. a little. Let's bit. soften it yeah. up because it needs to play in front of audiences. We want to get it. Toledo. On Netflix, we want to get right. it in all these film festivals, yeah. which is fine. And now I'm working on, all right, another announcement yeah, do that it. I haven't breaking, made. Breaking news right um, now, We're working on another film mm-hmm. uh, where uh, it'll be a feature narrative film that uh, is the story, only the real story, uh, uh, with actors. So it's not a documentary. It's, you know, actor portraying me right. in the Seattle scene at that time, sure. 26 years old, mm-hmm. 1991. Um, and we just got our first draft script back, which the director and producer won't share with me. Okay, real quick. <laughs> who's going to play Marco Collins? Um, so it's got to be 26-year-old Marco. I, right, okay, so okay. I'll okay, tell okay. you who okay. they already have attempted to well i think they, the game they have an idea right the game right so the game right right, so the, right so the game is you at 26 i'm trying to think here leonardo um, caprio's too old um and too pretty i wasn't that fucking pretty you're pretty damn pretty so <laughs> I'm not that pretty. i don't, I don't know if i Christ. know actors that are under the age of 30 <laughs> anymore like <laughs> I don't, I don't know i'm like going through these guys and i'm like that guy's like 57 oh, that guy's 42 right. that guy's 36 movies. So the one name that was brought up to me was the kid from uh, American Horror Story. What's his name? Um, do you know his name? It's well, uh, a Haley great show. Joel Osment. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, <laughs> yeah, he's like fifty now. Uh, I really don't know. Hold on, uh, I, I believe think, you. Though. So I he's, he was he, like, is he know. the little kid in it? And now he's older. No, no, no. He's about. I'd say right now he's probably twenty-seven, mm-hmm. twenty-nine. Mm-hmm. 
something like that. Um, I'll tell you right now, as you sit before me, yeah. you kind of look like you could have been in Serpico. <laughs> what? And I, so, what? I, so it's, I, 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 that's that's what I'm thinking. I'm like a young Brian Dennehy. I can only go with actors that I actually know of. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, know young, anybody. I don't know anybody actors. that's 26, no. let alone an actor. Evan Peters is his name, which I don't think he looks like me at all, but the guy changes his he, he, look. He, he, he doesn't. Um, yeah, no, I, rec- I recognize him. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's I mean, too famous. I think he's too I can, famous. I they they seem to think so. This will only well, we don't know what it'll be. So do you think um, this is going to be as revealing or is it going to be? Oh well, the stories. I, I when I set out to do this, I'm like, well, I don't want the documentary. I want something that's real, mm-hmm. like the documentary, <laughs> like the documentary, Which is a great like whitewashed line. everything. That's a great pitch you, line. you ask I'm my still friends, one of my best friends was like, "That fucking documentary is the biggest whitewashed piece of shit." Like you, uh-huh. like, right? If anybody knows you, especially if you know, know, anybody knows yeah. you, they know it was way worse than way the, worse. what the what happened yeah. in the documentary. So I want it to be real, man. There's yeah. no reason. I'm all about being transparent now, and maybe Ooh, part of that. Get dirty up in here. Yeah, maybe maybe part of that is uh, being sober. You know, I don't know if I could be quite tra- so transparent if I was still sure. deep in it. Well, maybe this will be like really cathartic and, and spiritual for you. Well, I, mean, I what a way to reveal. Yeah, I know? went down and sat. So this scriptwriter um, that we hired used to uh, write for SNL. Oh, he wrote really? for the news. Who, what's his name? What was his name? His name is Will Hettinger. Hettinger. I'm he wasn't on the show. Yeah. But he's a brilliant writer. Uh, and again, I haven't seen the script. They sent me a beat sheet. Mm-hmm. Do you know what a beat sheet is? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know what a fucking beat yeah. sheet is. I don't know. The but beat the beat sheet's pretty crazy, man. The opening scene. So it basically it's lays like cliff out. Notes a little bit. Yeah, it's cliff notes it's like without a the dialogue. Story, right, so it just right, lays right, right. out the first like, scene. And the first yeah. two scenes, I'm like. Holy shit, they're gone. Is it, it. is it dead on? Is it good? I, I mean, mean so yeah. the whole thing, when they came to me with the scriptwriter, I was like, this guy has, I read a pilot that he had written, mm-hmm. and this pilot is insane from the, like, just filled with cocaine and just mm-hmm. prostitution and Sounds just, great. like, edgy shit. So how closely are you working with this guy? Is he sitting, I is went he down briefing there. you, is he? So interestingly enough, he's also in the program. Mm-hmm. And God I'm not supposed to share that. Yeah, it's, I? It's, Whoa, it's, I don't know what I you're talking said about. his name. I don't know what you're talking oh, yeah, about. Uh, <laughs> you should take that out. Can you edit that Yeah, part? we'll edit it okay. out. See, can you make um, sure we edit that? Uh, so he, um, he, I went down and spent like an entire day with him. Mm-hmm. And we just bonded. It like started early in the morning. We had dinner the night that I got to L.A. I was in L.A. for less than 24 hours mm-hmm. just hanging with this guy, uh, telling him stories and running around and, uh, we had a great time, man, and I just—he's a fucking genius. So, and he just like—is it with the process? Because I'm interested in this. I'm interested in possibly doing this. Is, but I'll be like at the ass end of it because everyone's. No one knows who you are. I know no one knows who I am. <laughs> is it like so? Where did it start, and where does it? Where did it end? Type thing, so, or is it just the well? The interesting. Meat? Okay, so I don't know yet because they um they've sit and listened to all the stories. They watched the doc. I've sat, you know, hour after hour mm-hmm. after hour with them. I shared some of the writing that I've done for Seattle Rep with and them. And you just let them do their thing. And then the, he's coming up with the script, man. So the beat sheet, wow. the opening beat sheet wow. starts not in Seattle. Yeah. So that surprised me. I, I thought <laughs> that the show would have yeah. started at the film 
the script would have started in Seattle, but it starts in right, San Diego. The, the entire the entire like story arc would be a seventeen hour movie. Right. So they right. have to like they're gonna have to kind of pick and choose. It, it's a trip, man. Right. So again, I haven't seen the script. They won't let me see it, which I appreciate. It's like listening to a demo before the band is totally. done. Yeah. You know, before the mixing and oh, everything. Yeah. And so it's it's a mind fuck, man. But they they approached me three years ago after seeing the documentary at the Palm Springs Film Festival. Mm-hmm. This producer and at first I said no. He offered me an amazing deal. I was fucking strung out on meth. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a lot of money, and they had done a bunch of films, but I didn't recognize any of them. How much artistic control do you have over this? Uh, I haven't signed a goddamn thing okay, so, yet. So you could. So, s- yeah, so does that mean yeah. you could say yes or no, or does that? Of course. Yeah. Of course I can. You can be like, no, that's, um, I don't want yeah. that. It's it's. Um, I don't know. Once I sign on the dotted line, I don't have a lot of sure. c- creative control. We're gonna do what we do. And then it was even talked about early on. Somebody said, "Who's no longer with this." process but somebody said what if your character wasn't gay because in hollywood and i'm just thinking motherfucker <laughs> motherfucker <laughs> really also, also we're gonna need really? to not be a crackhead or a radio <laughs> right riot. right and you're just gonna be a fucking so and that pissed me off and i really thought about that and i was like that's the most insulting shit ever i have a niece that's just come out of the closet and what kind of fucking and struggling with her sexuality right what kind of fucking example am i setting by yeah. by going yeah i went for the money yeah. and my character's not gay oh but yeah oh by the way like, uncle marco's gonna pretend he's not gay. yeah uncle marco's gonna walk right. away from his no, fucking fuck truth yeah. for money yeah. so i was like oh. fuck that shit. well and what just a scummy hollywood thing to even ask like yeah man so well, but let's you just know imagine what? So, for a minute that you're not who you are at so all. one of the cool things is uh i'm friends with uh do you know who seth gordon is yeah. he, director massive yeah, director yeah, yeah, yeah. He's kind of been helping me make some decisions uh, on this whole project. And he's just been kind of a cool advisor. Him and his wife, uh, Bootsy Holler, have helped me. And... You know, That's the at, coolest name I've ever heard. In yeah, my life. Bootsy. She's Bootsy Holler. <laughs> you know Bootsy? Do you know Bootsy? I don't know if I know she's Bootsy. She's from Seattle. I, pro- I might. She was in the scene. Man, she was thick in the scene. She's I would a professional if I ever knew photographer. She's starting to direct her own stuff. She's uh, she's an amazing woman. And she married, you know, she, her and Seth got married in Los Angeles. And then Seth has really blown up since then. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the one thing that they said to me that I thought was super poignant about moving forward in this thing she's like listen dude you've got to pick your babies which mm. ones do you want and which ones do you have to be willing to let go of sure or drown or right. whatever it's a sophie's choice situation yeah. here and so she you know i said the only baby i have the only thing that i will not part with is the character's got to be gay yeah. and then she was like really what if they dress you stupid <laughs> I'm like, You're like that oh, would be worse. Shit. Okay, that would I be worse. I didn't think about that. Okay, that would be worse. <laughs> what if they dress me? She's like, what if they dress you just horribly? And, you, and I'm like, you know, I don't give a fuck. Right. Honestly, I don't yeah. give a fuck. The yeah. character's got to be gay. That's the I, I can't only. I believe that came. Like, I, yeah, dude. That so, came I hope up. that was a short conversation. Like a it hand was super in the short. face. Hollywood super is. Short. Ho- like, Hollywood is. Li- I mean, the, the, the really classic I was story insulted. of Hollywood is what if you weren't black? Yeah. That's the really classic yeah, story. Right, 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 right. I was insulted, man. Wow. So, uh, but, you know, but I walked away from that deal 
And I just thought, I'm not in the space to make the best decisions right now. And this is one of those things that you don't want to fuck up, dude. This is, yeah. you're getting yet another chance to not fuck up. Yeah. So I, I let it go because people told me if there's one offer, there'll be more. Right. And there's not been any more. Uh, <laughs> not one. So then they came back to me a couple years ago. And I liked the fact that he keeps coming back to me. This producer just keeps coming back. Yeah. Like, now we got a director, and the director's so done guy. this and that and this. But I also and feel I like love your the story's director. not written yet. You're not, you know what I mean? It's going to happen sure. so, the, it's going to be perfect, I think, when it happens. It's, it's going to be a trip, man. I'll tell you what I would, my dream situation, I would love to be, executive soundtrack uh executive producer of the soundtrack mm -hmm. i would love to be able to pick some of those songs new and old mm -hmm. uh to be on the soundtrack they've oh, already said they're gonna hire me as a consultant on the on the set mm -hmm. that's you know sort of a sure just, yeah. you know you'll have a yeah. chair with your name yeah on. i'll have a chair with my name yeah. on. i'm not making any ah! fucking decisions once Correct. i sign yeah. on the dotted line uh because you sign over your life rights but just the fact that they even offered that and then you know what i really want I want a Stan Lee cameo. Woo! I want to. I want to have dead, a cameo. Where? No, he really he died. Not Stan Lee. Oh, you want to me, be Stan Lee? I want to be okay. Stan Lee. I was like, I, I was want like, wait one a cameo in my own. I got film. it. I got terrible, it. I know what you're saying. Terrible spoiler alert for yeah, you. No. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> He's probably pretty no, smelly I wanna, right now. I'm like, I'll be the bartender, or I want to be like the. Yeah, that's, fucking, yeah, that's perfect. No, no. Yeah, that's I mean, you should be right. really should be a, a bartender or a drug dealer. You should be a bartender or a drug dealer. I am. I'm like, God, I would love that. No, he couldn't be the drug dealer. Just looks like a cop. Yeah, it looks like a cop. I'm not buying drugs for you. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that would drugs. actually be the best if you were a cop in yeah. the movie, busting yourself. <laughs> that would be great. Oh, that would be great. My dad was a cop. That's why I, uh, yeah. That would be great. I sort of have that. I, I want to be in consult. Well, essence. speaking of film, um, so one of the topics I wanted to bring up was, and I just put this, you know, caption to it, video killed the radio star. What, where do you think? Where do you think, like, I'm, a, I'm like you. I'm a big radio fan. I've been on the radio. I love the radio. I grew up with the radio. I still listen to the radio. Yeah. I mean, what do you think the fucking internet's, what's it doing to us, oh, yeah, man? That's, that's, what's the podcast yeah. doing I mean, to us? I mean, fucking fantastic, you know? man. The only thing, I, I love the power being redistributed. Yeah. I love the Ooh. fact that you can be a rock star now and make your record in your fucking bedroom. It's and a beautiful be huge. way to look at it. Yeah. The, yeah. I, you know, I love the fact that you guys can have your own radio mm -hmm. show slash podcast mm -hmm. and do whatever the fuck you want. The only reason I haven't done a podcast is I feel like I don't know that I have anything to add to the din. Mm -hmm. Like, I right. feel like there's so many mediocre podcasts out there. I feel like we've already disproven this theory today. No, you guys are great. You guys <laughs> no, are, I'm at you. I'm at you. You guys are, I mean, I just, I, I haven't done my own just because I don't know what I could add, man. I honestly don't know what I could add. I'm learning what I could add. Right. So this process of writing, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I write with uh, a friend of mine who's um, who's worked with the Seattle Rep forever. And, I mean, we're at the point where the writing is so good, you know, uh, like he'll take stuff that I spit out and just put the touches on it amazing. and just make it amazing storytelling. Amazing. So 
it's kind of reshaping the way that I tell stories too. Because yeah, I don't know is, what my writing's like. I know Jody's. I mean, you're a good writer. I've read some of your stuff. Oh, and you, you write some. <laughs> Are you good? Are you good? <laughs> He's pretty good. Just yeah. ask me. I'm. That's... I think what I read for him was very polished and, and put together. But when I when I read my own writing, I, I'm just like, God, I really wish I had a guy Dude, like you. I you're write like about. I talk. I, I write like, like I, talk. I talk. Exactly. It's super fucking easy. It's like I'm not a great writer. Right. I might be a good storyteller, mm-hmm. but this guy it takes that's, my. That's Honestly, better. Being, yeah, well, being a, being a great storyteller and writing like you talk is actually ninety percent of writing. Yeah, really, I agree. So you've got someone who's sitting there going, "Okay, that's fantastic," but what if we kind of just move? Well, I mean, I, so I'll sit down and, and talk out this entire right. story and think that I have like these poetic way of ending the story, and he flips that shit, and I'm right, and I'm in tears. It's like live he editing. Did, he did. So I, yeah. I talked about one of the stories that we're working on. Um, for a number of different outlets right now is uh, uh, Kurt's suicide right. and the fact that I was involved with the uh, the the candlelight vigil. Right. We put that thing together, yeah. and you know the I got a story the, about that. The days go. the days up into that, man. You know, for hearing it come out of my mouth what happened and how it happened and how I reacted and where I was and, you know, what family members of his did I, you know, involve. And then he flips the entire thing. And when I read what, how he flipped my story, I was fucking crying. Like I, I seriously, it hit me. Like like, you're welling up a little now. I mean, that's, I mean, dude, that moment hearing that news of him taking his life felt like the entire world it felt like part two of being surreal you, you don't plan for shit like that you don't know how to first and broad i was right on first and broad i lived there i was high and i was high I, too i dude. remember hearing it and then i walked i didn't go outside until it was dark because that was you know the norm right i don't know what time it was but there was hundreds of people walking down broad yeah. street with candles dude down the middle of the street and do you want I, me to, the hair on my arms yeah. right now. do you want me to totally kill the mood yeah <laughs> please yeah. so i was in washington dc right in dupont circle um and this is dc you know in the early 90s it was fucking like you know a war zone right filthy no yeah. one gave a shit about anything else that happened in the world at all we were like, ah, oh, some, not we. I honestly, like, having some Northwest roots, I, I felt it. Everyone around me was just like, ah, oh, some fucking rich rock star. Because that was, wow. but I mean, you listen to DC punk rock. Right. That's the attitude of everything. Right. Ian Mackay wasn't sitting in his bedroom mm-hmm. crying about, mm-hmm. right. you, know, you know what I mean? Like, but that's, that's surprising only word. because Grohl was a part of that whole crew with Scream but, but, and like. Well, no, that, and that's and that's the funny thing is actually. So much respect for Grohl in DC because of that, right? Right. That right, he right. could do no wrong. Yeah. But the rest of it was like, it didn't matter who it was. That's it interesting because who I'm not it was sure or where you were. I don't think that was probably the case in most places. Maybe no, it was not at all. No, DC edgy as DC, fuck. DC is a like was. It's. I agree. I don't think that was. It the looks case like in most it places. looks like Columbia City now. Right. But DC at that time was a absolute world unto itself. We were the murder capital of the world. Wow. So, like, what, one guy died? That wasn't, like... Big the, fucking deal. Like, That's kind yeah. of interesting. I mean, Seven we guys were, died I mean, while we were having this conversation. You're right. telling, we're talking total polar opposites here. Oh, we're yeah. talking the nucleus well, that I, we were in. And then I came back here and, then and somewhere people else where told it's like, me right. stories. Really, what difference does I heard, it make? I heard, I heard a moment that I lived really differently back from people like you guys, and I was like, 
Wow. Yeah. That was that's that is really different. I mean, the same thing with like when Chris died, I I literally was physically, I had to sit down. I literally was physically shocked. Like I like my body jerked when somebody told me that. Dude, the Chris thing is so fucked up. My last experience with Chris was doing that session I told you about. Chris was sober for seven years. At least he told me he was. Mm -hmm. He pulled me in that session. This is why I have so much respect for that motherfucker. He pulls me into the green room, shuts the door on his handler, mm-hmm. uh, and we're in the little green room at the radio station. And he's like, Marco, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, how are you doing really? Wow. And I, Because he had heard that I was fucked up. Like, right. it's no surprise yeah. that I've been fucked up. It's no whisper by any means. And he was like, how are you doing? And I'm like, uh, I remember thinking, I think I even said... Is this an intervention? Like, I, I was joking with him, like, to right. make it a little lighter. Right. But he was serious, and he, you know, was like, listen. And I'm like, yeah, I need to uh, I need to get more to more meetings when I'm in L.A. When I'm down here, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not, I don't feel grounded. And he whips out his wallet, and he's giving me phone numbers of dudes in L.A. to call. Uh, and Crazy. was genuinely concerned with my sobriety and how I was doing and how he could help me. Fucking he had gold. been sober seven years, and I walked out of there going, that motherfucker, like, I'll miss his voice, but I'll miss that humanity. Oh, yeah. Like, he's the real deal. That's like, the, stuff, that's the, the fact- stuff you don't forget. So I only Fuck, knew his man. family. I never, so the, I had one interaction. I was sitting at catering, and I was, for some reason, he came up, and it was just me sitting there by myself. Eggs, bacon, you know, the shitty food they feed you backstage. Yeah. And it I, sounds so good right now. I'm starving. He, he comes over and he's, I'm like, oh, it's Chris Cornell. It's Chris Cornell. He's coming over. He's going to sit by me. And I knew Maggie and like all his like right. sisters and stuff. And I go to grab that. Was it HP sauce? Is that the crappy European? It's like Worcestershire or something. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, <laughs> lo- he just looks at me and he just goes like this. And I'm like, okay, and I put it down, and I grab the uh, Heinz and put the oh, Heinz he was, on. Oh, I, oh, he was telling me, don't, like, he's like, don't. And I was like, and then when he left, I tasted the cap a little bit. And I'm like, oh, that shit's disgusting. Like, Chris wow. Cornell just saved me from HP sauce. That, that was it. Um, but, That's awesome. Yeah, Worcestershire alone. That is, that is gold, though, Marco. I love that. So Yeah, just what a legit dude. Like, he didn't need to do that. No, that's amazing, And dude. the fact that he pulled me aside and was genuinely concerned with my well-being. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, I, I had a lot of respect for him. I knew him peripherally, but we didn't know each other well. I met him in San Diego, mm-hmm. had dinner one night, mm-hmm. and then I moved up here. I didn't really – I interviewed him a couple times, um, and – you know, we were the first station to play his solo shit. Yeah. You know, we played seasons from the single soundtrack. Yeah, God, no no radio song stations played that. Yeah. Um, shit, and he was, was always. Yeah, it was, right. a, it was yeah. a super great that's song. That's actually one of my absolute favorite Chris Cornell songs. But, but uh, it's not like really? I hung out yeah. with Chris Cornell over the years by any means. So for him to take that kind of. But you know what? what? I don't a, find. I find. Legit dude. I find through this disease, it doesn't matter. I mean, right. I mean we've all met some rock And we are just the shared. Oh, yeah. Pain yeah. and then whatever we have, as a, whatever. As a matter of fact, like we've talked about this before, it actually, it you could even argue that it's worse when you're in that scenario because, like, it becomes this thing that's wrapped up in your persona and your public. And uh, how long have you been clean? Uh, coming up on ten years. Wow, good for you, man. Yeah, that's that's so awesome. So it gets better. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, dude, listen, listen, listen. My I have, shit is I have, fucking I have a, dark. I have a friend. How I, free do you want to be? That's just it. Right. Yeah. I, will, I, will, I, will, I, will, I have a friend who I will I will not mention by name. 
um, who's and she probably stole it from somebody else, but she always says, "Never kill yourself in the first five years, right? I've because heard you'd be too. killing a stranger, which obviously really, really right. fucking applies. Ooh, right. I like right. that. And and and, and, <laughs> yeah, I really do. and something else, you know, you're talking about you're talking about podcasts, and I just I would like to say personally, I just feel like this is the first of a series of these that like, you know. You know, like down the line after we've got some more under mm-hmm. our belt we're mm-hmm. gonna come back to you and oh like, marco's coming we back. need to have yeah, marco marco's back. well back. i mean first of all for this being your second podcast you guys are very conversational it sounds like you're a radio well show sometimes already. we talk yeah. like this and we're when's, just like hey when's, <laughs> when's um uh ben when's malcolm are gonna be yeah. on is he coming up? You've been a great guest, you know, and I wanted to bring up one last Creed. thing. Um, we don't. We we. The answer is we don't know. No, okay. two things. Two things. Okay. What's your dog's name? Uno. Uno. Yeah. I love that little fucker. <laughs> he's really cute. Yeah, I love him. Uh, that's Boston, my boy. right? Boston. Yeah. No, no, he's uh, Frenchie. Frenchie. That's right. Yeah. My bad. So the other thing is, and this is he's a little having some allergy this, issues this might, right now. This might be morbid. It might not be morbid. What do you think would have happened to Andy and Mother Lobo? What do you What do you think they would have went? You, I mean, I, I love know. Regan. I love all the guys. He was a he was, Perry Farrell kind of character. Oh, he was where great, I, 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 I just, <laughs> I wish I could have met him. I've never met him. I knew a kid that auditioned to be their drummer, mm-hmm. and almost got in. And I was dating him. He was like a heavy metal gay boy. Mm-hmm. That I was like, this is the who, weirdest who, thing in the can world. You say his name? No, I can't say uh, okay. his name. Tell me I don't after. know if he's out. Um, he's out. Because I wonder if I know him. It'd be interesting. He doesn't him. live here. He lives in San Diego. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyways. So, um, he, uh, I, I just never got a chance to meet Andrew. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he sounds like the most. He was fucking amazing. I mean, like he, creative. Cr- so I would nuts, see crazy, him. I had a VW positive. bug, and I'd see him walking, and just like, uh, this is what would happen. I'd always think it was a chick because he had really yeah, long hair, and right. he'd have like a boa a fur on, coat or, or something yeah, like and, that. and I'd be like, oh fuck, it's Andy, and uh, I pull over, like get in, and he'd get in my VW, and we'd drive driving the club or wherever he was going, and um. Yeah, he was just a nutball. I mean, he was a serious nutball. Did you get to know him at all? I didn't know him, know him. Um, you know, like, I knew him from the scene. Right, So and that was it. enough to stand there and talk to him. I mean, you know what? So it, it's interesting. Well. When Jane's Addiction came out, I remember thinking, eh, I mean, I loved that band early on. Like, oh, I, I had their oh, demo tape and was playing their demo tape on my radio show before the live album even yeah. came out. But. Right. But then later, on Nothing Shocking, I was like, okay, these songs are fucking great. They were really changed from the demo. I was used to the demo. But then I was like, I'm not sure I'm really digging on this Navarro metal licks in the band. I like the... You know, like the, because Navarro was metal, yeah, right? That's was, where he came from. Voice. He was yeah. a metal kid. He's slick. He's a slick. So guitarist. when I feel like there was Good a analogy. time when when those metal bands were starting to get this new sort of. They were wearing new clothes, and I felt like Mother Love Bone was one of those new fucking metal bands that sort of, you know, like, you couldn't really call them a metal band. No. Well, it was coming out they of... They were rock. Com- right. It was coming, because it was coming out of a lot of, especially Andy, like, it was coming out, we were coming out of the, like, the sort of the butt rock hair metal era. Right. Right? So, like... <laughs> it was metal was still, hippie. Like the first Alice in Chains record. That's, if you take away the image of it... It's metal. It's like right, but it's it's like almost kind of hair metal. It's like yeah. the yeah. high vocals and the yeah. you know and like very Produced, very accessible. Very very, very, I, I yeah. think a lot of it it was it was metal us. Yeah, nothing. It was metal Seattle. Nothing it really was. It was like metal Seattle version. I mean, right. It wasn't what LA was doing. It wasn't what the East Coast was doing. It had our own little grunge thing to right. it. But Perry Farrell made it an art project because that, like you said. 
That dude was a freak. Have you oh seen him lately? God. <laughs> no, I haven't seen Perry lately. Uh, I, I heard from. He is very well put together, dude. Like, you would not even recognize him. Oh, yeah, him. I've seen well, him. Yeah, I've seen I mean, him in interviews. But I also heard. <laughs> I'm like. I also wow. heard a few years back from. Casey, mm-hmm. his old girlfriend, mm-hmm. that he was back on dope. Yeah. So I hope that's not the case. Well, he was I, a nut when he was on, I mean. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. there was a, I remember a reading, it must have been in the early 90s, there was an interview with him and Spin when, like, you know, it was like ritual era, like when, you know, one of the hottest things going, right? Um, and there was this interview, they're walking through Venice, and the interviewer was like, and then Mr. Farrell dipped out into an alley to smoke crack. <laughs> and, yeah. I, and I remember reading that and going, it's so funny. That's great. That's great. Good rad. job. Good job. In the interview, and you didn't even, there was no publicist, nobody there. You know what's funny about like, that? Sure, I about think that. about my drug use, and I didn't want people to oh, see me. Uh, I didn't want to be in public. Right. I didn't want to be out celebrating. That's what blinds yeah, but, are but for. I turned, in, I turned into a monster. That's what blinds right. are for. Fuck, right. dude. Remember, remember I want to hide. Casey put out that movie. Like his whole life has been a, this walking art project, right? Where all right. of it's all of it's fair game. Like yeah. he's always just been right out there with it. Wow, we've covered a lot of ground. Yeah, we have. Like, are we done? Why don't you plug yourself a little bit? What do you got going on? I've what do you done want that people for the last <laughs> so you got hour the, and a half? You got the movie, or, or maybe possible movie? You well, got so the the current the documentary that's out is uh, on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. If you got Prime, you can watch it. It's called The yeah. Glamour and the Squalor. Yep. Uh, we'll see what happens with the theater piece. Nothing is announced. That's exciting. I can't yeah. believe I even said something about it here. We can edit and, it. And uh, the plan with the next film is to get the script done, and then we go out and pitch to studios awesome. and, you're, and, and what investors. Are, what are your hours on KXP? All different hours. Uh, yeah, yeah. so you're all over I'm, the place. Though. Yeah, I'm all yeah. over the place. Yeah. So, so turn on KEXP anytime during the day, and you could very well hear Mark Not Mark. really during the day. Uh, <laughs> 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. Right. He's I right. wish. That's a yeah, good hour. Tell us about Sound and Vision. What, what, what's the schedule for that? It's uh, Saturday, Saturday mornings. mornings at 7 a.m. Nice. But you can also listen to the archive at any time. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. The last thing I'm going to say. The internet. When I when I go all over the world, yeah. what I hear is people go, oh, you're from Seattle. KEXP. Because it's as yeah. you guys are constantly right. saying, streaming yeah. worldwide. Right. Streaming worldwide. Well, you know what? The, okay, so here's what the bigger attraction is. Yeah. Like I was at South by one year working mm-hmm. for KXP, and a kid comes up to me and goes, God, you work for KXP. I love that station. I'm like, really? Right. You listen online? He goes, oh, no, I just see the videos. The videos. The videos. That oh, yeah. has oh, what yeah. has Amazing. turned yeah. the world on to KXP. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to give uh, Jim Beckman. Uh, credit for that. He has yeah. turned KXP into a worldwide entity. Yeah. I can't say enough through those that, videos. Jim, like that, that whole station has tur- it turned have, into something that's so gorgeous. I have to give a shout out to Julian, who does all the bumpers and like a lot of the production and stuff, yeah. a lot of the post stuff. Julian and I went to school together at the now defunct Art Institute. Okay. And I fucking love that guy. And I love the fact that I can turn on the radio any day and hear him go, the KDXP is brought to you by... <laughs> that's awesome. What's his yeah. last name? Mart Lou. Okay. It's not dread like Julian, not sound guy Julian. Uh, yes and no. He's, he's yeah. He's got he's got I a think, hairdo. I think he cut we his dreads so off. He cut his, he, oh, he, do, cut, he cut his dreads. Yeah. Huh. They, they, I think I think I think John keeps him locked up in one of those rooms in the back. But okay. Woo. Yeah. He does all the bumpers. Really, he does like all the voiceovers for the bumpers. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. So huh. you 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 hear him whether you hear him or not. 
Got it. All right, we're going to wrap good. it up. Marco, it's been a pleasure. You, always a pleasure, Mr. <laughs> Jody B. It's been Love fun. You guys, you guys have been listening to T-Bomb. That's right, this business of music, and Thank this man you, knows about music, Mr. C. Marco Collins. Yes! And uh, stay tuned next. We have, oh, I'm having Dave Place from Hobosexuals on. Awesome. So, which you turned me on to. Yeah. Thank, thank you so much. Yeah. I, I think so they might be able, they might save rock and roll. So, hey, it's been a pleasure. Check us out at tbomb.org and we'll get to you next time. Peace. Oh. Awesome. How long was that?